Hey, everybody. Hi. Welcome to the show. Here we are. It's Tuesday, August 2nd, and the Jeff Gerstman Show is live. I'm Jeff Gerstman, hosting today. I turned, I turned the music back up before it had finished fading out because I'm a, I'm a professional. You know what I mean? Pro. Pro-level podcasting here. They don't just sell these microphones to anyone. You need to pass a test. That test says, uh, do you, can you not get enough of your own voice, you pathetic egomaniac? And you check the box, yes, definitely. And then they're like, great, you've got a podcast, motherfucker. And you're like, yeah, woo. So here we are, ready to talk about the power of video games and more. I don't know. It's, it's so, gosh. Hmm. So yesterday was my birthday, and that was a good time. I ran a, ran a stream here, and we ended up playing quite a bit of Trackmania. And um, I decided to start a Trackmania server. I decided that that would be the that would be the the only logical move would be for this community to have its own Trackmania server. And so I started uh, going down that road of paying someone fifteen euros. A month for, I believe, three months to uh, to to run a Trackmania server, and that uh, went that went horribly wrong. That went absolutely awry. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I had to contact. This is going to be a big week for uh, talking to customer support people and uh, trying to get problems solved. It turns out. So uh, yeah, kind of a. Kind of a, a long-running thing. Also, I've started ranking energy drinks, I think. I don't know if that, I think that happened since we last spoke here on the podcast. Started building that list. And so um, that list is just getting longer. And, I, you know, just these these rabbit holes keep getting keep getting weird. I've got another. I, I, I've got a Blue Raz Bang here I'm going to open up and see if that's any better than the Sour Heads. One that I had yesterday, which was terrible, which was absolutely awful. This can is nicely dented up. That, that's how you know it's it's. That's how you know it's real. Um, well, let's crack this open and find out. Okay. Brown flyer in the chat says blue raz bang is one of my favorites. Like, all right, well, we'll see. I don't know. A bang is a very hit and miss for me. This uh, smells like a blue. It smells blue. This uh, this is hmm. this has the same problem that the sourheads bang had in that there's not a lot of flavor to it. It is very weak, but the blue tastes better than the um. Sourheads did so the flavor that is there is actually fine so it's very inoffensive and uh and that's nice so i don't know we'll add that to a list a little bit later on um because yes i i've been i've literally been hashtag building the list when it comes to energy drinks and um that's just that's just how it went here um i forgot to update the name of the twitch stream it's uh, yeah I, the past uh, yeah the, t- today 
today I have been running all morning trying to get uh, some stuff together, uh, fix up some stuff, some last minute things um, to to get a couple of things together. So podcast time. I will type in to the name of this stream. Podcast time suckers. And then I will hit the, the button here. Great. This title may conflict with Twitch's moderation policy. I don't know if that means it didn't go through or if it did. Uh, as well as I'll just, I'll update. Okay, whatever. All right. Hey, so gosh. Okay. I, um, you may remember back in early May, I decided to place an order with the Atari hotels store. This is after they had announced that the Atari Hotels thing was falling apart. And uh, and so I thought like, hey, I should probably order some of this insane merchandise that they are selling that says Atari Hotels on it. That seems like it would be a, a terrible idea, but let's let's get on it. And uh, and make that happen. So I placed an order for... Hang on. I'm just trying to see if I can figure out what it was that I ordered. Okay. I was, was searching my email for the word Atari. Um, I ordered a t-shirt and a hat. A hero tee. And a flex fit hat. And... All of these things appear to be sold out. I mean, so a lot of stuff on the Atari. Remember, okay. Do you remember Atari licensed out their name for a hotel? And then also it was going to be like, we got a hotel and also the blockchain. You know, pretty natural one-two punch right there. Uh, They decided to sell merchandise that was basically the Atari logo, but it said Atari Hotels. And so I, after they decided to break off the joint venture that led to Atari Hotels... That seemed like the perfect time to try to buy some Atari Hotels merchandise before it all went, uh, you know, before it all went defunct. And so I placed this order to the tune of about $60 for a hat and a shirt after shipping and tax and all this sort of stuff. And then promptly forgot about it. It never showed up. We're now uh, three months later. Three, yeah, three months. Yeah, May. Yeah, it was almost exactly three months because that was May, early May. And so I realized a few weeks ago that it hadn't showed up and decided it was like, I dug the email out and went to the website and it was like, where your order's here and it's getting ready to ship. And so that's, that's the crazy thing here is if I go to the website here for my order, it says, uh, finding order details. We've accepted your order and getting it ready. Come back to this page for updates on your shipment status. And then there's a UPS tracking number here. You know, and sometimes the tracking number gets generated before the package ships and so on and so forth. And so if I click on that, it just says label created. The delivery date will be provided as soon as possible. And so uh, there's no um, no further details than that. And so I've, I've, about a month ago, I realized this had happened and I was like, oh, right. And then I didn't do anything about it other than try to remember to keep an eye on it later. And then this morning I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Um, because I guess the, the Atari speaker hat showed up on Best Buy for a minute there. It's sold out again. So I, you know, if you, if you wanted to get one of those stupid things, you're, 
you're asked out all over again, I guess. Um, but I did finally decide this morning to contact the Atari hotels people or whoever is running their web shop and say, Hey, here's my order number. I, I, I don't have this. This never showed up. And I thought like, I'm never going to hear from these people. These people have vanished in the night and they have run off and they're going to take my $60 with them. I did just get an email back just prior to the beginning of this program that says your order appears to be lost in transit. Your tracking number hasn't shown any progress in months. Would you like us to reship your order or cancel and refund? And so now I am put to a choice. I so I the, of course my first reaction was like, well, reship it. Of course I still want this garbage. Please please give me this garbage. Um, and so that's my, that's my poll. I, I'm going to post this in the discord here. I want the people in the live programming channel over on discord to just, you know, react, uh, with a thumbs up or a thumbs down to, uh, what I'm type. I'm just talking type poll vote here, put a thumbs up or a thumbs down. If you thumbs up, if you think I should reorder it, thumbs down, if you think I should refund, I think, uh, I, this is the dumbest poll in the world because I think I know exactly how this is going to go. Now. Part two of the story. How, what what service do they use to ship? It says, uh, "Well, hang on. Actually, let me let me double check. Let me load that back page back up because I did close it. Um, it's UPS. Yes, United Parcel. This is a day off. Day off from United Parcel. I'm gonna need a check for seven hundred and forty five dollars. Um, live eels. Um." So here's the thing though. I have this order and they are asking me if I want the order to be reshipped. Now, when I go to the website or their shop and try to look and see what they have, none of this stuff is in stock. The hat out of stock. They have a white hat that I definitely don't want. Um, and the blue t-shirt that I ordered seems to be completely gone. Or or this site is broken. I'm going to extend this. No, if I, I tried to extend the window because it's like a... If you go to shop.atarihotels.com, you can see... Okay, wait, no, there's a scroll bar here. Okay, okay. Here's the shirt. Is the shirt listed as still in stock? Blue. It is. Okay. Hmm. Huh. Well, they are claiming that this item is still in stock. The hat, who knows what will happen with the hat. Hmm. Well, let's look at the poll. Yeah, as expected, the the poll is overwhelmingly in favor of me getting it reshipped. So, uh, well, I guess I need to abide by the poll. I mean, surely I 
this binding. All right, well, I'm just going to hit reply and I'm going to say, thanks for getting back to me. Please reship the order if you can. Thank you. Thanks again. And send. Okay, let's see what happens. Oh yeah, let's kick this can down the road and for another ninety days and uh and see what happens with my sixty dollars. They they I they've probably taken the sixty dollars and invested it in the blockchain by now. But uh, we'll see. <sighs> I've made a huge mistake. Why didn't I just say give me my oh give me my money back? Please just give me just just give me back my sixty bucks. I don't need the Atari Hotels shirt and hat that badly. They're not even the ones I want because the ones I wanted were out of stock when I went to place the order in the first place. Shit. Well, Patreon.com/slash Jeff Gerstman is uh, a site you can go to and uh, you can uh, sign up. To get access to the Discord, where you could have, you could have, you could have, uh, you could have prevented this. You could have stopped this. You could have saved me from this, but you chose not to. If you go to Patreon.com/slash Jeff Gerstman, uh, you can you can get bonus content, some additional shows, all that sort of stuff. Find out more on the website. Go check that out uh, and uh, help. Help help us as a community make these decisions to make sure that we're getting this Atari hotels merchandise, I guess. Trackmania servers and Atari t-shirts. That's what your money's getting spent on so far. Congratulations, everyone. You backed a winner. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. I'll be back and I'll maybe I'll put this energy drink on a list and then we'll, pull, we'll, talk, we'll talk about some actual video games. How about that? Weird, I know. You know, they call them hot August nights for a reason. Uh, to a couple of reasons. Well, I mean, three. Okay, there are three reasons. One, it's hot. Two, it is literally the month of August. Three, it's nighttime. And what happens on those hot August nights? Well, sometimes you're just hot and sticky and yucky in bed. And it's just like, ugh, your sheets are fighting against you. What you need is power. What you need is a miracle. And now that miracle is here. It's Miracle Brand with their self-cooling bed sheets that can help you stay comfortable all night long. Just like they do with me. I like comfort. I don't know if you know that about me. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. That's really. I'm just a big. I'm a big fan of comfort. I'm a big fan of keeping cool without being too cold. And that means, you know, like, yeah, you want to get a blast the air conditioner all night. No, you're gonna wake up, draw dried out, and feeling terrible and all that. Ugh, yuck. That's not a good solution too. So you know, maybe crack a window open, hope it cools off a little bit, and then use the power of Miracle Brand self cooling bed sheets. To keep you cool. What else is going on with these sheets? You're asking. What makes them such a miracle? They've got self-cooling properties. 
That's right. They're using silver-infused fabrics that were originally developed by NASA. NASA, the space people, were like, we need some silver sheets for space. And Miracle Brand was probably like, well, they work good in space. I bet they would work pretty good on Earth, too. These sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, which will help you get better sleep every single night. And they're self-cleaning. That natural silver that they're infused with can prevent 99.9% of bacterial growth, which leaves them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. That's right. Keep the stank out your sheets for longer with the power of silver. And they're luxurious, not just because they have silver in them. There's luxurious comfort and quality here. These sheets... Don't have the high price tag of other luxury brands, but they still use a premium 500 thread count sateen weave that's made with USA grown Supima cotton. That's one of the highest quality cottons in the world, I'm told. You know, you can't go wrong with that. So stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets means less bacteria to clog your pores. So, you know, fewer breakouts and other skin problems on top of all that comfort. Do you want to get in? Of course you do. Get in right now. Get in with me. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jeff to try it today. There's a special deal going on right now for you, the listener. Use that promo code Jeff at checkout to save 40% off and you'll get three free towels. What? That's, this is, again, this is a bonus on top of a bonus. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied... You'll get a full refund. That's right, baby. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Brand. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jeff and use the code Jeff to claim your free three-piece towel set and save 40% off? Man. That's savings right there. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Jeff. And thank you, Miracle Brand, for sponsoring the episode. Okay, we're back. Hi. Uh, I got a... So I, I went and, and I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of doing some dental things. Teeth-related business is is happening here. And so at night, I'm wearing a night guard for my TMJ. And I don't know I don't know what the hell it's doing. It's an upper night guard. And so it's supposed to be like, oh, well, your jaw closes differently now when you... Uh, when you're wearing the night guard and that's good and, and that's right and that's proper. But I don't think I, I don't know that I grind my teeth at night. I think I, I think my jaw hangs at night. And so I don't, I'm not sure that it's actually doing anything other than moving my front teeth around ever so slightly, which is fine because I think the next step in my procedures is going to be to move a bunch of my teeth around to correct some orthodontic issues that I, uh, got as after I had my braces, I got, I had braces when I was like 15 or so. And then, um, and, and then years after that, I had a bar on the bottom of my teeth too long and all of a sudden now they're crowded and all this. So I'm like, Oh, okay, well, you know, look, I'm finally going to go to a dentist after a few years of, you know, no, no pandemic dentistry. And so I went in and they're like, your teeth look pretty good for not having been to a dentist in three years. I'm like, great, good. That's nice to hear. And so I'm I'm finally getting some of this stuff done that I've been putting off for literal decades on some of the the other stuff. And anyway, I'm I'm going back in tomorrow for my first like orthodontic check. But the 
the night guard is weird. And I think I'm coming to this realization that like when I'm sitting at my desk, I do clench my jaw. And so maybe I, um, maybe I need to wear the guard while I'm sitting here or something. But like, so I don't clench my teeth together. Instead, I hold my jaw tight, but my teeth are apart. Like I go, like my teeth are technically not touching, but I am flexing every muscle in here. Uh, as hard as I can, and that almost feels worse. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. We'll find out. Anyway, maybe I should just get some more caffeine in me. That'll probably help. That's yeah. That's where the power. That's where the power lies, brother. Um. Okay, so we've handled our Atari hotels business, and hopefully, we will. Uh, hopefully, we will receive that order. I guess. I don't know that I, at this point, I'm like, what's a more entertaining story than do I actually want the shirt and the hat? But, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, what else is going on? Let's talk about some video games, huh? Uh, I got back into, so this is weird because my, my, the way I'm interacting with this game is exactly the same, but the way it makes me feel has completely changed. All right. Does that make any sense? Power wash simulator. It hit 1.0. It came out of early access, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and I decided to look in on it to see how it's changed. It hasn't really. It's just kind of, um, it, it's, there's more of it, you know, like they, the last time I played it, it was exactly this game and, and it's, uh, it is pretty much, pretty much the same sort of stuff. And, and so, yeah, it, it's you, if you, if you have not, Played Power Wash Simulator. Lights went out. I don't know. That's weird. Okay. Uh, if, you, if Are we still live? The, the lights went out. Okay. We're okay? All right. Well, the lights went out. Power Wash Simulator. You, wash, you, you blast stuff with a pressure washer. The video game. And so I'm up to this haunted house and... I'm spraying stuff down. When I was playing this game months ago, I found it very tense. I found it very like lean forward esports, like a sweaty video game. Um, I don't know why. Like I was, I was, I found like, I would, I would, pl- I was playing a lot of it, and then I just, I discovered that like my entire upper body was clenched, like my shoulders, everything. I was just like, I gotta clean it. Like I don't know what it was about that game that was tr- like triggering something in me that was making me play it in in that lockdown really crazy way and um and I had to stop playing it at some point I was like this is I am I am this is like playing this game is stressing me out somehow I don't know what the heck is going on but like I, I just I had a really adverse I had an adverse reaction to Power Wash Simulator for as much as I thought, this is an amazing video game. What a cool idea. What a silly thing. The the feeling of blasting the dirt off this stuff. Yeah, this is great. But it was also like like locking up my body in some really strange way. I don't understand. I don't understand. So it hit 1.0 and I was like, I should reinstall Power Wash. I should reinstall, reinstall uh, a Power Wash Simulator and, and see where it's at. See what happened. And... 
I started playing it again and went back to the same playground that I was doing and had my nozzles and all my stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, this is incredibly chill. And, and it, it hit me the way that I felt like it should hit me. It, it was like, oh, okay, this is now like a relaxing, like I'm just going to blast the, the, the mud off of this playground and then this skate park and this golf cart and all this other stuff. And, um, <clears throat> it was nice. I got, I was, uh, I felt like I was lounging. I felt like I was laid back and that's, that's exactly what I wanted. I still am playing with mouse and keyboard because for some reason that seems like the way to play it. Uh, but at the same time it does have uh, controller support. And so I, I wondered if maybe that would be the thing of like, Oh, well, no, playing that game with a controller seems like it would super suck, right? Because you need a precision to blast the dirt off these surfaces, and a controller is just not going to give you that. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I picked up the controller instinctively when I launched it, and I was like, oh, right, no, this is a, this is a mouse and keyboard game. No, and set it down and, and said, forget it. I don't need it. And so... I don't know. I am probably going to install it on the Steam Deck and kind of see what's up with that. But, you know, yeah, I had that on. I I had Power Wash Simulator running while I was watching some wrestling over the weekend. And, you know, that that was a nice combo of, like, I could have the wrestling over here on this monitor and then, uh, you know, the Power Wash dead center and kind of look over there and be like, is this old man dead? No? Okay. Good. All right. Good. Good. Um, and so that was, uh, that, that made for a good combo. I guess that's, that's akin to a podcast game, you know? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's going to be a Ric Flair level for power wash simulator. We can blast all the blood and confetti off of him. Um, blast all the kid rock cooties off of him. Um, and so I guess I'm back into Power Wash Simulator. I guess I'm going to try and play the rest of Power Wash Simulator. Does it have workshop support? Are people going to be able to make their own custom levels? Like it, it's Power Wash Simulator seems very cool. And then also you look at it and you're like, this seems like I'm going to go in and um, I'm going to you know, like, I'm going to clean up these nine things. And, and then that's going to be the end of that. I know they've got modes in there for like competitive power washing like uh you know how much water did you use to clean it how much uh how much time did it take you to clean it i know they've they've done some kind of leaderboard type stuff around that or some kind of measurement of your performance that way and nothing could be less interesting to me uh from a player's perspective anyway from a from a true player's perspective if you will um as uh competitive power washing but uh that seems that also sounds like something I would not mind watching on Twitch. Like competitive esports level esports grade power wash uh simulator. That seems like that would be uh good. My wife caught me playing power wash simulator and then she said I she said what if we got a what if we got a power washer or what if we got a pressure washer so you could clean stuff? Don't you don't you need to should this place should be cleaner? And I was like, yes. What if we got a fucking pressure washer? And I thought if I I feel like if I was out front of the house here in Southern California, 
with a pressure washer blasting the house, I feel like the cops would come and take me away. I feel like they would show up and be like, you're going to jail for using water, motherfucker. And I would be like, nope, you're right. I get it. I get it. This was dumb of me to, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. And they're like, oh, no, we're not talking about the pressure washer. We discovered that you're watering your lawn two days a week instead of one. And I'm like, I, uh, I, it turns out I was, um, I have not gotten to talking to, but it, it turns out that, uh, I, my, my sprinkler system is set to water the lawns two days a week. And we are currently down to, you can only do it on Saturdays between these hours, which is weird that they want everyone to do it all at the same time. For a while, it was like even house numbers do it on Wednesdays and odd house numbers do it on this day and this day. And then they're like, nope, one day a week, Saturday. Do it Saturday morning or don't do it. And if it rains, don't fucking do it. Um, so that's how things are going here. I, um, I'm thinking um, long, you know, long term. I'm thinking this uh, real grass lawn thing is for the birds. And, uh, you know, some fake grass might be real nice. Some fake grass. You know, that might be a, that might be a good way to go. Uh, get rid of all this real grass. It, it's, it's weird. It, it, I don't, it doesn't, I don't need it. it. Fake grass can be nice. I, I, I like the way it looks. Uh, there are a number of houses in my area that have fake grass. Um, and also, you know, there's other parts of it that I'm like, what if we paved over this part and put in or, yeah, or, or did like a, a gravel thing or like a, I want to have something cause the kids need to play in the backyard. So I want to have grass esque things there. Um, you know, maybe put in a swing set or, or something like that amidst the, Amidst the fake grass, uh, so I don't. I don't want to pave everything back there like some kind of lunatic. But um, yeah, you know, like extending a front patio. I don't know. I don't know. That's all. I I don't even know how to do. I, you call people on the phone and you say, I, "How much is this going to cost?" And then they quote you a number, and you're like, "All right, never mind. Thank you for taking my call, but that is I don't. Who has that kind of money to do that?" Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's bad. It's bad, but I don't know. It's been bad. I, you know, my, my old house, you know, we, we were not in a drought situation as bad as the one that has happened to this state this year, but I went seven years or something without watering that lawn. That lawn just died. And, you know, we, we had a couple of trees die and stuff too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They should, there are, there ought to be a law. There is a law. I'm just, I'm just flouting it. Uh, anyway, I'm still waiting. So, okay. So one of our customer support situations is on its way to being resolved, right? I'm going to get my t-shirt and my hat from Atari hotels and I could represent the hottest brand in gaming and lodging, uh, simultaneously with the power of Atari hotels. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, the other one is again, I went to some site in the, I went to some German website and I said, yes, I will give you euros, uh, for the, for you to run a Trackmania server on my behalf and let me configure it and, and do all that sort of stuff. I rented a Trackmania server. 
And um, if you're not familiar, Trackmania servers can be run on just the natural Trackmania software, <clears throat> but that's not entertaining. If you want to have fun with a Trackmania server, you need to run a kind of a server controller kind of on top of it that adds whether it's more rankings or just, you know, a variety of different fun features that uh, enhance the experience, such as music. If you want to have custom music on your Trackmania server, and I do, then you you need to be running a server controller like uh, Evo SC or Pi Planet. These ones are running Pi Planet. Anyway, long story short, I got this server. I got the the I got to the point where I could push a button to launch it, and I pushed the button to launch it, and it just goes like, "Yeah, server's running. All right, now we're gonna launch Pi Planet." Ah, that failed. Yeah, that doesn't work. That failed to launch. We know we're gonna stop trying to launch it because it keeps failing. I was like, okay, no, no, uh, no real documentation per se in terms of like, here's an easy way to run this thing and here's an easy way to modify it and here's an easy way to do this. They kind of assume that you're just going to go read the PyPlanet documentation, which I, I did. And I, that means I know how to add tracks to the server and do all this other stuff, but PyPlanet has to be running for that to work. And so PyPlanet's not running. Um, that's a good question. A question from the chat here. Why did you go to a sketchy Euro host? Because it's Trackmania. Who the fuck else is going to rent pre-configured Trackmania servers other than lunatics in Europe? That's it. That's all there is. My choices of where the server could run were Germany or France. I'm like, I guess I, I guess I'm going to choose Germany. I guess I'm going to, I guess I'm going to choose Germany. So I, you know, I don't know. It's yes. I, I may hop on the discord or do something. So anyway, I wrote to them and said like, I pushed the button, but it didn't go. And, uh, hopefully they will get back to me and, and let me know what I need to do to make it go. Um, and then we can, then we can get that up and running and we'll, we'll stream some more track mania. And, uh, I've been playing track mania every single night now. Ever since I installed it on my Steam Deck. And that has been great. That has been a perfect I'm laying in bed uh, on, the, uh, on and under these fancy sheets and enjoying the power of Trackmania from bed. Uh, and, and it's been a really good thing. That game's not on Steam, so you have to jump through had to jump through some hoops track mania style to get it going and uh and i did that i installed the ubisoft connect launcher on my steam deck and then used that to install track mania and then got track mania going and yeah uh yeah the other option of course is to just set up a vps and, and do all that stuff and set up set up a server from scratch i may do that down the line actually okay here's my okay we're going to break it down here, people. I don't know where you are right now. You're Whether you're live watching now or after the fact, maybe you're stuck in traffic somewhere listening to this and you need to hear. Here's the long-term Trackmania plan. Um, eventually, this, the, eventually, this town is supposed to be uh, serviced by a lot of fiber optics, a lot of hot internet. This is supposed to be an area where I can get, like, at minimum, a symmetrical gigabit connection. Right now, I have uh, 40, 40 megabits up 
and that's fine for a lot of things, but not for running a high-powered Trackmania server here locally, um, or or all that other stuff. Getting getting a lot of those those servers and stuff up and running. Uh, so, I yeah. So the hope here is um, that eventually I will just start running a Trackmania server locally, and I will have a, a server going and and all this sort of stuff and but for now i'm gonna rent a Trackmania server from these fine folks in germany and uh hopefully they will get back to me and and help me make it right and then when that is right you will know because i will be telling you here that we have a Trackmania server that you can connect to and play it has a hundred slots on it uh i believe you will need to be a paid Trackmania player to you the the ten dollar version works fine uh, for that, you do need, I don't think you need to be a part of the club tier or whatever the hell, but I could be wrong. That stuff is still a little, still a little confusing. Um, but yeah, Trackmania in bed uh, running uh, on the, the Steam Deck has been really awesome. It's been, that's probably the most fiddly thing I've done so far in terms of uh, installing non Steam stuff onto the steam deck and it was a bit of an ordeal if you if you google like Trackmania steam deck a guy wrote a really good uh tutorial about how to do it it is not i i was not able to do it the way that he did it but it was at least enough of a pointer in the right direction for me to go like okay okay this this thing he's saying to do does not work but i know i can do it this way instead and and, and anyway i i got there either way and uh it's great it's great i am Yes, I'm laying in bed and, and doing like five or six Trackmania tracks before bed, and that's a good, relaxing, end-of-the-night sort of thing. The Steam Deck has been really good for that type of wind-down gameplay. I don't know if that's a thing you do near the end of the night. You go like, uh, I'm gonna, let's play some games, and and the, the games you maybe want to play near the end of the night just naturally become a little different than the ones you play a little bit earlier. And so, yeah, I don't know. Trackmania is a really great game to just have kind of at arm's reach or or whatever um and and all that sort of stuff so so yeah uh, that's been that's been nice some people need a full disconnect right i mean some people and and i i am i do that generally speaking with my phone i definitely try not to look at my phone in the middle of the night because the light of it once once i actually do go to sleep sleep the light of the phone will really mess me up. And so I've gotten a lot better at just not, if I wake up at 2 a.m. because the baby starts making noise or whatever, like I'm pretty good at really not looking at my phone um, very much. Of course, I did tweet at 4 in the morning, but what are you going to do? Not tweet at 4 in the morning? Hell, I don't know. Red Shot is the other game I've tried out this week. I've not played much Red Shot. This just launched on Steam. It is $15. It came out yesterday. It is uh, billed as a bullet time Metroidvania, kind of a pixel art style. Um, I am I am very early in on it, so I am not really sure how I feel about it just yet. Um, but you, you basically you can pull the left trigger and go into bullet time at any point and, and slow things down, which will help you aim shots while you're jumping on the air and, and doing some other stuff like that. And so there's some kind of cool ideas at play, but yeah, that's a, that's a highly preliminary take on red shot. I will check out some more of it and perhaps we will 
perhaps we'll stream a little bit of it this week if I if I end up liking it more than I am right now, or we will uh, just talk about it next week. We'll see. Um, why don't we get into the news? Breaking news last week. <clears throat> Have you heard of this Grand Theft Auto 6? They're going to make Grand Theft Auto 6? They're, they're gonna, they made five of them, and now they're going to make another one. That's it. That's the whole story. No, this is an interesting kind of look at Rockstar. Um, and uh, this, this comes out of Bloomberg. <clears throat> And there's a variety of details in here, just in terms of not, not just the game per se. Like there, there are a handful of little details about what Grand Theft Auto Six is perhaps shaping up to be. But uh, the larger thing is that the company itself is seems to have changed. Seems to have become a friendlier place to work, um, and morale is better, but that, but also progress has slowed. And so the game is maybe taking a little bit longer because they're not working people to death. Um, you don't have to have someone come with bottles of like blessed water and try to throw it behind a television and lodge it there because that's where the bad vibes are. Uh, if you are not, well, look. Rockstar is an interesting company. They have been an interesting company for as long as they have been a company. Um, and so this development as someone who, you know, again, has, has, you know, I have been covering Rockstar's games and hearing stories about how fucking terrible it is to work at Rockstar. That was always the story. I feel like the, the Rockstar story, generally speaking, and there are different ver- variations on this, are one... Boy, it's a terrible place to work. Boy, it sure is grinding me into dust. But boy, having staying here and shipping this game and having that on my resume and and having been through the fire here definitely allows me to write my own ticket and go work anywhere else I want to work. And so it was always uh, a great resume thing for people once they got the fuck out of Rockstar because they were like, this place is killing me. That's not a great place and you know you don't even need me to tell you how that is probably not a sustainable model but a lot of the video game industry has certainly worked that way for a good long time um you know there's been some turnover really you know the, obviously there's the high profile turnover you know Dan Hauser one of the Hausers left the company like that's that was something that seemed unimaginable right up until it happened Leslie Benzies left the company the Benz the Benz is out working on something else uh, that I believe is called, what is it called? No, I was going to say it's called everything. It's called everything. Anyway, the Benz is out there, uh, closing up, you know, working on, working on whatever, whatever he is working on along with uh, a team. Um, and so I don't really know what the studio leadership looks like these days, uh, in terms of, you know, there, there's quotes in this story from Jamie King, who, of course, was there early on. Jamie King left a while ago. Jamie King was one of the primary... Jamie King was one of the people I talked to the most about Def Jam Rap Star. I rapped on stage 
with Jamie King at a press conference and uh, was originally told I would get that footage so that we could do something with it. And then now uh, that, that never happened and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Laszlo, who did a lot of the radio stuff uh, and, and became an increasingly important part of the writing team there, as I understand it over the years uh, has, has left as well. So yeah, it, it's just a huge, uh, the, the some of the public names for a company that doesn't really like to get into public names very often um, a lot of the public names you associate with the leadership of Rockstar have moved on uh, since GTA 5 I'm really since Red Dead and in, in Red Dead 2 in, in a lot of ways but so you have this like big changeover at the top and then now you have this story hitting um, about uh, hey this is the the kinder gentler Rockstar is kind of how Bloomberg is putting it here and basically, you know, that there are some, you know, the, the people are taking the, the change differently, right? You've got a lot of people who are like, Hey, morale is way better. This is a much more pleasant place to work. And this is, you could work here and still have a family and still, you know, do live your life and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's great. Uh, there are some developers that sounds like, um, let's see, it says, uh, the, the Bloomberg story says earlier this year, a group of designers quit the Edinburgh office telling colleagues they were sick of the lack of progress. So yeah, that slow movement is going to cut both ways, I guess. Right. Especially if you're happen to be someone who's been on that team for a long time and you're, and you're used to the cadence of the nightmare. If you're like, this is, this is the nightmare I know. This is, I was forged by this nightmare and it's all I understand. Um, you know, I'm not saying that these designers were that way. The, the story does not say one way or, or the other, but, um, yeah, it sounds like they've hired up and added more producers to track schedules and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, that maybe that's causing some additional bottlenecks. So it just sounds like growing pains and also a lot of shifts in how they construct the video game. And, and obviously those sorts of changes are going to lead to new processes being formed. And then maybe those new processes suck and need to be tweaked and all this sort of stuff. So there's just a lot of behind the scenes stuff that they are figuring out that ideally will help make that a better place to work and a, and a, a, a job that's not going to kill you. There, there have been, a, like I said, there's been not a zillion of them, but there are definitely some bad stories and, and, there are some some bad stories uh, with with really tragic endings uh, of people that that have worked at Rockstar. Um, were they directly attributable to the Rockstar style? Like I, you know, I am not going to go on the record and say that here. Um, but because I because I, I don't know for sure, but it never sounded like a great place to work. Never ever ever until now. And so this this is a really interesting story to me in in that way because it's the studio that you always thought was going to be like just from the top down. It was going to be angry 72-point font emails from one of the housers trickling on down. It was going to be people showing up at the studio literally referred to as the Eye of Sauron when they would show up at the studio and they would be there on the housers behalf to make sure shit was fucking getting done. And when they were in town, you were working weekends and they were, you know, all that sort of stuff because you were there to get the game closed out and all anyway, a lot of really fucking wild, weird stories over the weekend or or over the years, um, that have, have made that place sound 
like an absolutely dreadful place to work except for the part where you're working on one of the most popular games of all time and um you probably get a really solid break after it ships and you know all, all that sort of stuff so not that that really makes up for it uh so that's a really interesting thing i i think the other part of the story here is uh is one that has led to a bunch of fucking crybabies online that uh that make their money that make their money online by talking about how woke something is if there's as if that's a phrase that anyone still uses um which is always fucking surreal um so they've taken like two sentences on this story and then run with it to be like, oh my God, can you believe? Uh, can you believe Grand Theft Auto has gone soft or whatever the fuck they're saying? It's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Um, so, okay, here's the here's the, the bit from the story here. Uh, Rockstar's next game, Grand Theft Auto 6, will include a playable female protagonist for the first time, according to people familiar with the game. The woman, who is Latina, will be one of a pair of leading characters in a story influenced by the bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde. Developers are also being cautious to not punch down by making jokes about marginalized groups, the people said, in contrast to previous games. Um, That just sounds like a smarter game. But people are like, oh, they're not going to punch down. Oh, they're, oh, they're gone soft and they've gone woke. Mom, mom, bring the spaghettios. Bring them downstairs for me. I'm recording my videos. Um, and all that shit. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, that sounds like for a franchise that has been going for so long, they need to make interesting changes to it. And for a Grand Theft Auto game to ship in this day and age, um, not because of the political climate, but just from a like, what's funny? How do you write comedy in the year 2023 and, and beyond? Um, you know, biting satire is, is quite a bit different now. And like the low road of just like, we're going to make fun of everybody. We're equal opportunity maker funners of ours. Um, is fucking boring. I don't know. Like it's, it's, you know, that's, that stuff was done to death for a long time. Um, it's just easy, cheap jokes. It's just pointless. You know, it's like, you might as well be making fucking like fucking fail army compilations of dudes getting hit in the dick. Like, there you go. Um, like trying to do more. And that's the thing, you know, and, and Grand Theft Auto, we can debate all day as to whether you think they are successful at doing this. Um, but the impression I always got from them in terms of the way they presented their games was that they were trying to be at least a little bit high minded about it. They, they thought that what they were doing was not only an achievement from a video game perspective, but from a story, like, like all the stuff they're like, no one else is doing anything, not only on this scale, but we are doing storytelling. We are, we are pulling from movie, you know, and, and a lot of their games are, you know, very inspired by film and all that sort of stuff. I've told the story numerous times about like, you know, sometimes you would go to rockstar at the early part of the process of them announcing a game. And like the first thing I saw when it came time to see San Andreas was they showed me a video that someone had cut together of like clips from like menace to society and boys in the hood and all this other stuff kind of all cut together. So this is the tone we're going for like a, a literal tone piece that they, they, 
put together for like here's what the game is um and and so that's they they've always thought of their games as these relatively is high-minded maybe isn't the word you know because they 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 really did try to strike a lot of different tones and all this other stuff but they they think of what they're doing as an achievement and it's where the phrase you know when you have, you've maybe heard some jokingly uh joking at Rockstar's expense about the, well, you've got to respect the achievement. And that that was a feeling that I've heard that I've heard from people there in terms of just like, well, no one else is doing that. You've got to respect the achievement. Like, even if you don't like the, you know, and, and all this sort of stuff that they're like, no, no one else is doing this. This is worthy of praise no matter what. And if you say otherwise, we're not going to work with you anymore. Um, and so yeah, obviously it's it's a very complicated subject. I think Rockstar is really a really complicated company, or over the years has been an incredibly complicated company. And this story is really interesting to me because it's like, wow, it's it's kind of it's the thing you never really thought would happen, but but probably desperately needed to in order to retain talent, in order to try to make that place uh, work in this day and age, and and all this sort of so other sort of stuff and. And yeah, so yeah, it's it's hard to reconcile. And when, and I think the 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 thing people it is much easier, I think, in this day and age, right now, twenty twenty two, with the benefit of hindsight, to really shit on the Grand Theft Auto games. And um, I get it, but at the time that those games were coming out. There was really nothing like, and especially when you go through that trilogy of games on the PlayStation 2, which happened in a very different era in terms of tone and comedy and satire and storytelling and also the industry around it and all that sort of stuff. I think now, you know, storytelling and, and, and you know, the uh, having video games that can evoke emotion the way a film is traditionally thought of as doing, which is a weak comparison, I know, but like... It, that happens a lot more often nowadays. We have games at all shapes and sizes, small games, big games, games that are very focused on that style of storytelling at the expense, expense of scope and, and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and so it's, it's a much broader industry now. Remember, in the PlayStation 2 days, storytelling in video games was not where it is today. And so when Grand Theft Auto was coming out, yes, it was childish. Yes, it was silly. Yes, it was juvenile. Um, but also there was there were a lot of attempts at satire in there. There were there was a lot of there was a lot of everything in there because those games were fucking massive. And so it struck so many different weird tones across the board that you kind of you know, you, you would look at it and go like, well, no one is doing anything like this. Like you, you do have to at least acknowledge that like, yeah, this, this is, there are things in those games that are simply not being done elsewhere. Um, and I think that's another great reason when you look at the future of Grand Theft Auto and you look at where the industry is today, why it absolutely has to evolve and why it absolutely has to be something different because the kind of, um, Hey, we're going to tell a crime story. Hey, have you seen Goodfellas? Uh, what did you think of it? We've made a whole game, uh, uh, you know, like like cribbing or, or you know taking so much inspiration from 
those types of mafia movies for Grand Theft Auto 3. And then a different type of mafia movie for Vice City, you know, uh, as well as Miami Vice and all the other 80s shit and Scarface and, you know, like all, all that sort of stuff. And then all of the West Coast hip hop, all of the, you know, John Singleton, like all, all those, the, the hood movies of the 90s uh, for San Andreas, like, you know, they are, they are pretty obvious pulls, you know, um, and so I think a, a yes, a, a couple, a bank robber story, I think makes a lot of sense as as far as an interesting story to tell. Um, and I think a Bonnie and Clyde-esque relationship story not only makes a lot of sense from a storytelling perspective, is like, oh yeah, okay, that, that sounds like right in the wheelhouse of what they would, a story they would probably want to tell. But also from a gameplay perspective, you could look at this and go like, okay, like are we, you know, Grand Theft Auto 5 had a lot of protagonist switching. You know, you switch on the fly and you're controlling this guy. And now you're controlling this guy. And now you're controlling this guy. Is this going to be that? Or is this going to be co-op? Or both? You know, if you're playing alone, is it more of a switch protagonist sort of thing? Or is this going to be a game where you can do a lot of stuff co-op? Could this be a two-player co-op game? That's my big question for it right now. Uh, because I think that could be extremely interesting um, as an option. It would be a very big change for them. And also it would it would tie together... It would tie together some of the aspects of that... Um, that product, you know, in terms of, okay, we're, we're doing the GTA world. We're doing this style of storytelling, uh, and we're building all these single player. There are all these, these kind of campaign missions, I guess I should say. And then also it's an online game. You know, is this a way for them to kind of, um, find ways to join those things together in, in ways that make more sense than it did in five, because GTA five and GTA online, always felt like such separate experiences. It was extremely easy to ignore GTA online as someone who only wanted story. So if they're finding ways to come up with meaningful ways to expand upon the story, and you know, they, there's more, uh, there, there's more to that here as well. Um, from the Bloomberg story, Rockstar's plan is now to continually update the game over time, adding new missions and cities on a regular basis which the leadership hopes will lead to less crunch during the game's final months. Still, the game's world remains large with more interior locations than previous GTA games impacting the timeline. So adding new missions and cities on a regular basis sounds like a lot. Um, new cities is a big, is a, is th those aren't words you really should probably throw around lightly when we're talking about Grand Theft Auto. When you think about what a city tends to mean in that, in, in that context. Uh, but that they will, that this game is set in vice city also is, is where it's, where it's starting. Um, original plans for the title, which is codenamed project Americas were for it to be more vast than any grand theft auto game to date. Early designs called for the inclusion of territories modeled after large swaths of North and South America, according to people familiar with the plans but the company reeled in those ambitions and cut the main map down to a fictional version of Miami and its surrounding areas. So 
again, I, if this sounds like a sane way to produce that project, it sounds like a way to continually add content to the game in ways that benefit both people that want to play a campaign and want to expand whatever the future of GTA online ends up becoming. If you eventually get to a point where you're like, okay, we got this team of bank robbers and now they're going to South America. Like, yeah, you could totally do that. And that would absolutely work um, over time. And it also fits from a perspective of like, hey, when this game comes out, when do you think GTA 7 will come out? Take a look at how long GTA 5 lasted, all that other stuff. And, and how is that going to work? And yeah, uh, obviously there's still a lot we don't know. I can really only sit here and kind of speculate at you about what this means for the future of that game. And I'm kind of coming from it in terms of, I assume that they are going to ship an online game alongside this. Um, you know what I mean? Because that's the... That's a very big money maker for them. GTA Online, if they're going to put out a new Grand Theft Auto, it would probably mean that they are going to have an online thing with this. And so I that's what I thought start to think like, well, if they're doing co-op, if they do co-op, and again, I'm speculating, then is this game always connected? Is this game always online in one way or another? I think that that... You, that only works if you are doing a major rethink of what Grand Theft Auto is as an online product, right? Because you kind of have to try to think like, okay, what would they do next? And I look at Grand Theft Auto Online as something that would be a very suboptimal place to play GTA campaign missions because you've got other people in there doing dumb shit. And... The other thing about Rockstar over the years is the, the one of there's so many there are a lot of contradictions when it comes to GTA the game that they make and the game that they talk about making. And you know, when when Rockstar goes and talks to you about the next Grand Theft Auto game or when they are showing trailers of the next Grand Theft Auto game or whatever they're not doing all of the stuff that people do in a Grand Theft Auto game. And actually, I don't even... I reached a point where I don't even do this stuff anymore because I've done it. They don't... It's not, here's a trailer of us shooting as many cops in the face as we can, and then these tanks show up, and, we, you know, like, they're not putting out content that is focused on the open-world chaos aspect of GTA. They're usually not putting out trailers and, and really putting a spotlight on like, did you know if you run over the prostitutes, you get your money back? Like that's not a trailer they're making. It's a nuance that they put in the game. We can debate again, if that's a positive or negative nuance to add, uh, but it's something that they've always had in their games and people have always done in their games. And I've always got the impression that whenever we would put up videos of that aspect of the game, uh, I, you know, th th just, I'm thinking about a couple of conversations over the years or a couple of just like, there was always just like a uh, exasperated head shake, you know, uh, because they, again, I think they think of their game on a different level than a lot of the players do.
for better or worse. You know, they've made a game that allows for all of that, that allows for um, those sorts of shooting sprees, and they've allowed for all of the sorts of things that led to politicians referring to GTA as a murder simulator and, and all of that other stuff. Um, but it's not the focus of the game, right? And that's always been weird. I don't know. It's, it's always been weird. Grand Theft Auto has always, always, always been weird because of, because of that stuff. And I think as they got more and more famous, as the games became more and more popular, as they spoke for more and more of the industry by their existence, that stuff, I think, became even more out of place. Not to say the game shouldn't have it. I mean, you know, if you're making an open world game, you're making an open world game and people are going to do what they're going to do. And I think it it's it behooves them to allow it. Um, so I'm certainly not saying they should take out shooting sprees from Grand Theft Auto or, or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, they, they've always been very focused on, like, the story. They've always been very focused on like, you know, this is what this character is going through and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's always been interesting. Like the, the impression is always that they are thinking very differently about their games than the public does. And so that was another aspect of GTA online that always felt crazy because GTA online felt much more like a, oh, I drove up to this guy and shot him in the face. Ha ha. And then stole his car and did this. And then we did, you know, and, and in much, much more chaos, much more of the weird shit came out of, uh, that game having online and, and that being something that they kind of maybe had to cater to and, and, and figuring all that sort of stuff out. I, I don't know. It, it just the GTA Online experience always felt so out of step to me with with how I had viewed those games, or the impression I got of how they viewed those games. Like GTA Online felt like, um, it seems like the sort of thing that they would look at and think it is beneath them. I guess I don't know. It's weird, but it's also so fucking. It made so much money. How the fuck do you? You know, I, I don't know. It's it's. Like I said, Rockstar is a fucking weird company. So I, I don't know. I, I, all this does is make me, you know, very curious about the future of Grand Theft Auto. It makes me hopeful that that's like a better studio to work at. Like that's a big one. Um, if the working conditions at Rockstar can improve, then maybe this industry has a chance after all. Um, uh, but yeah, there's there's a, a few other bits and pieces in the Bloomberg story about that sort of stuff. Um, basically saying like the financial success of GTA Online, uh, and this is a quote from the story here, has given Rockstar leeway to make sweeping changes and take its time on the next project. And as one staff member pointed out, overhauling Rockstar's culture could help with retention and recruitment as well as lead to games that are better for everyone working on them and presumably the people playing them too. So... Yeah, it's interesting. I, I would not have picked Rockstar as a studio that at least tried to clean up. And again, who knows? This is one side of a story. You know, I, who knows how these efforts are are actually going? Um, there's a lot of details in here that make it sound like they're trying to make a shot of. Yeah, there, there's there's a quote in here from one employee that says uh, that the company is a boys' club transformed into a real company. That they you know kind of maybe solved some of those issues that they most definitely had. 
Yeah, I, I have, um, hmm, let's see. Twice. Two. Two is the number of times I have been to a strip club as part of a rock star event. Now I'm trying to think of every other publisher combined. One. One. Whatever that's worth. I don't, you know, hey. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Interesting changes, I guess. At, at the end of the day, interesting changes. And and what does it mean for the game? What does it mean for the people working on it? Like all that stuff sounds potentially very interesting. I think that the the duo, the bank robber duo, I think has potential as a story as far as like a direction you could go in. Uh, the Miami stuff, we'll see. Like I think part of it depends on what era because I think when people think about Vice City, they definitely inherently think about the 80s and that sort of stuff. And I think that they... I think that they should not do that because I think that is... I think that era is super fucking played. Um, and going back to that, I think would be... Going back to that would be dumb for the same reason like when when Black Ops does that stuff. Um, when, when the last black ops was like, check out this Miami level and check out all these quote unquote vapor wave icons we put into the unlockables would get a vapor wave gun and all that stuff. And you're like, get, get, check out, we got this cool grid and then this sunset and it's a weird neon color. And you're like, I, this, this visual style was done years before you put this game out. I don't understand how we, anyway. So I think if hopefully Rockstar is smart enough to know not to just return to that stuff because I think that would be I don't know, embarrassing? I don't know. Embarrassing? PlayStation 5. Uh it's out there. <laughs> uh you can um they're they're making they're making some changes here in the fall. They are going to take away the accolades feature. Hands up, whoever saw the accolades feature on the PlayStation Five? Did anyone interact with the accolades feature on the PlayStation Five? Is anyone even aware of what it is? I see one person in chat saying they interacted with it one time at launch. You saw it in Destruction All-Stars, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the accolades feature. Oh, it was in Siege 2? Okay, so the accolades feature was something that would show up at the end of a multiplayer match, and it was a way for you to... I believe there were three different awards you could give and it was like, good teammate, or, you know, whatever. I, I don't remember what the three awards actually were. Um, but this was something where, yeah, you could earn accolades, you could give accolades at the end of a match if you were a good teammate and another person decided to go like, oh, I'm going to go through this menu and, and give you an award. Um, then you would earn accolades. I don't know where they showed. I don't know if accolades would show on your profile, like how many times you got the good teammate system or whatever. Um, it was very poorly supported. It did not show up in most games. It was something that, you know, 
I only ever saw it in Black Ops. And speaking of Black Ops, that was the only time I ever saw the accolades feature. And how this would work is they at the end of a match, you could I believe there was a button you could hit to pop up a PSN, like a front end menu. And then from there, you could reward players that were in your lobby, on your team, whatever it was, and give them one of their, one of the little trophies. This feature is going to be stripped out in the fall. They are removing it from the PlayStation 5. Um, there's a brief mention of this on the PlayStation support site. There's a page on the PlayStation support site that just says important notices regarding PlayStation products and services discontinued PlayStation apps, features, and services. Find out which features are no longer available on your PlayStation console. And it's just a long list going all the way back to PlayStation Mobile in 2015. And, uh, hey, starting on October 7th, 2019, Facebook integration will no longer be supported on the PS4. Uh, Hey, Ustream features are no longer available on the PlayStation 4. You cannot broadcast your gameplay to Ustream. So this page just gets another chunk added to it every time they remove something. Um, and accolades is the top thing on the list. It just says in fall of 2022, the accolades feature on PlayStation five will no longer be supported. The feature hasn't seen the level of usage we anticipated. So we are refocusing our efforts. We encourage the community to continue to send positive messages to one another. As if that's a, as if, as if that's a, a thing. I'm waiting. My daughter is at the window. Sorry, I'm waving at her very briefly here. I, she can't actually hear me. Um, so this was especially poorly implemented in Call of Duty, and I don't know if it was in Vanguard. I only, I only, I only played Vanguard on the PC, so I, I never saw it running on on a PlayStation. If it was in there or not. But the most recent Black Ops that would launched alongside the PS5, uh, this was in there. And the implementation was awful because if you remember, Call of Duty, Activision has their own player name system for Call of Duty. So when you're in game in Call of Duty, you see players like COD names or whatever, whatever the whatever they call them. Uh, you see their Activision ID, you see their Call of Duty ID, whatever the heck it is. And so you would finish a match and go like, oh man, yeah, uh, but Dong 800, it sure was a good teammate. I would like to reward them with an accolade. You pull up the accolade menu and on the accolade menu, it just shows people's PSN names, not their call of duty names, which can be two totally different things. And so you would open the menu and see an entirely different list of names and go like, well, I, I wanted to give some i i wanted to tell butt dong that he is doing a fantastic job but his psn name is not butt dong and i so i don't know i don't know who it is and so it was just a miserably poor experience it was just like one of those things where you're like well this was this was incredibly poorly thought out um this is this is a bad implementation of a system that is questionable to begin with um and so they're removing it they probably should. It's uh, sad, I guess, in a way that like a feature built to specifically send positive feedback to other players is getting removed for lack of use. But at the same time, the implementation always seemed very poor to me. Um, 
And Call of Duty Vanguard integrated something directly into the game of, of their own that was like, here are three players that we think did okay. Which one's the MVP? And so players would vote. And I think, did Overwatch do that eventually? I don't know. I, I don't remember. I got a... Uh, I saw a survey for uh, that Activision sent out for Overwatch 2 recently, separately from this. Um, and... It was just like, you know, typical game survey. They're like, hey, have you heard of these games? Do you play games on these platforms? Cool. Uh, what sort of cosmetics would you be willing to pay for and how much would you be willing to pay? How much would you pay for a weapon charm? How much would you pay for a, an, an epic skin? What about a legendary skin? Hmm, what about a skin and three voice lines? What do you think that bundle's worth? It was like, it was page after page after page of... Now, how much would you pay? And that sounds about right. I was gonna that that yep, that sounds about right for where Overwatch Two is at. I don't know. Um, they are also discontinuing um, trend. Okay, this is I I forgot that this happened, but this I I do remember this now that I'm reading. Trend Micro has provided kids safety and web security service to safely access the internet with a browser on your PlayStation device or PlayStation 3 in November 2007 for PSP in April 2009 and PS Vita in December 2011 and will stop providing the service as of May 31st, 2023. So if you if you've been using Trend Micro's web filtering to keep your kids safe on the internet on your PlayStation 3, PSP or Vita that is also going to be discontinued next year. So, so get ready. Get ready for that. But yeah, the, the accolades thing seemed like a misfire from the get-go. Uh, and you have to wonder, will Sony also eventually pull out the um, activity card stuff? With it, doesn't, it just doesn't seem like that's getting a lot of uptake from third parties. You know, the like, oh, launch into this activity directly from the menu. Like, like that's a really cool idea that a lot of developers seem to never touch. And so, like, Sony seems to be the only ones really, really doing anything with that. Um, and then also the, are the activity cards better in the beta? I, I, I upgraded to the beta and have not really dug through it. I know that there's a PlayStation 5 firmware beta going around that adds folders in the most backwards way imaginable um, and some other stuff like that. But okay. Activity cards are a little, are potentially better. Okay. We'll give those a look and see uh, if those have truly improved. At least they're trying to iterate on that because that that's at least a cool concept, but developers need to support it for it to actually work and be good. Right? So it's also It was, it was cool in Spider-Man in Miles Morales, when you could just jump into an activity directly, it was almost like a, a bootleg fast travel, which was kind of awesome. But uh, there's just a handful of... It, it feels like there's only a handful of, of PlayStation 5 games that I've seen that, that really take full advantage of it. Um, and so if more developers use it, that's great. If not, they... I don't... You know... And then there's also like the trophy guides or the like, um, hey, we put in videos with strategies on how to earn these trophies. And solve these puzzles in games. It was something they talked about pre-release that I was like, that's not going to fucking work at all. And that seems like something that I 
what was the last game you saw that supported any of that shit? I'm going to guess and say that it was Horizon because I would expect a first party game to do it, but did it did Horizon do it at launch? I don't know that it did. I remember looking for it at one point and not seeing it, but but I was playing before that game was out, so maybe maybe there was something to it there. Um So yeah, accolades. Rest in rest in peace to accolades. Engagement across the board seems to be a growing, uh, well, maybe I don't, concern, I guess I would say, but I don't know. This stuff sees, seems very natural. Um, engagement on the PlayStation 5 is down. They have shipped uh, 21.7 million consoles, according to PushSquare.com's uh, Recap of Sony's quarterly financial reports. But that Sony also noted that total gameplay is down 15% year over year uh, for the quarter. The quarter ending at the end of June. And that seems like an, a lot. Uh, Sony then went on to say, this is a much lower level of engagement than we anticipated in our previous forecast. And uh, Push Square says that uh, the, the, the company placed the blame on uh, the deceleration of the overall industry as the reason, as opportunities have increased for users to go outside to, to, due to a reduction in COVID-19 infections in key markets. We intend to take action to increase user engagement in the second half of the fiscal year during which major titles, including first-party software, are scheduled to be released primarily by increasing the supply of PS5 and promoting the new PS Plus service. So you might think that like they, they, they just talked about that, what is it, PlayStation Stars, their kind of quest system for literal engagement um, as, as a means to try to get people to do more stuff on the console and, and spend more time on the console. The PlayStation Plus rollout adds a great number of video games for people to play, which is uh, something that can obviously help with engagement. That's been something that uh, Microsoft has touted. Microsoft has really shifted to that model. Like engagement is the thing they care about more so than are they selling more consoles than Sony and all that other stuff. Like the numbers they always touted over this last handful of years has been around active users and, and all of that sort of engagement. And so we, I don't, I have not seen any report on Microsoft's engagement on their end, but I have to imagine that this is something that is an industry wide thing across the board and it makes perfect sense. And it's probably a good thing for society in a way. Uh, the notion that like, Hey, people are not trapped inside as much anymore. Um, because the pandemic is in a different phase and well, or, or, you know, you could take that as a negative and be like, ah, employers got sick of people working from home and forced them to go back to work. Even though uh, cases are in a really shitty place right now, but that means they are not at home and to play video games as much. Um, so yeah, also I, you know, I feel like a lot of games have been pushed back and there's just been a lot of delays and this has been a weird year for games. There's obviously Elden Ring was very big and Elden Ring, I think 
when did Elden Ring ship? Because it was it in this quarter? I gotta look now. Surely Elden Ring w- would like the people playing Elden Ring would bleed over into this quarter. So end of February. Okay, so we're talking about the quarter involving April, May, and June. So maybe by April, some people were getting done with Elden Ring, and so maybe it's not as much. But every story I heard, you know, talking to people around around the video game business was a lot of people saying like, hey, Elden Ring came out, and our monthly user, like our active users fucking fell off a cliff. Like a lot of people left their service games in order to play Elden Ring and other and and in some cases didn't come back for a good long time. I don't know if those numbers have, have come back or not. I assume not. If we're looking at these engagement numbers as a PlayStation wide thing and then think about it as like this is probably also a kind of an industry wide thing for the quarter. Um you cannot pin all of those uh, lowered numbers squarely on the release of Elden Ring, which is what people were definitely doing when Elden Ring came out. There was very much a Elden Ring came out and then our our number, our line on Steam went like this because Elden Rings went like this and and you heard you heard some of that and saw some hand wringing around it at the time. Um but now this seems like a larger thing because again and, and again it like this to me seems very natural just like trying to look at this from a common sense perspective is like, yep. People are, people are going back to work whether they want to, or, or they're being forced to like, yeah, there, there's people coming on, coming on back to work. And so they're out of the house during the day. Uh, there are people going outside because they have not been able to go outside for a good long time. And so they're spending more time out and about, um, at least during the lulls in case numbers. Well, whatever cases are pretty high now. And, sure feels like i don't, I don't actually I, I i say that it sure feels like that you know there's a lot of people ignoring that that stuff's still going on but actually i know there's a lot more masks out and about lately over these last few weeks here it seems like people have, have gotten back into getting masked up um and i know public transportation in san francisco they just they they just turned it back on they're like yeah no you got to wear masks on the train and then you've got TwitchCon out there saying like, yeah, I don't know. You should wear a mask if you want. We're not going to make you. Which sucks. Which really sucks. Which really, really, really sucks. Um, and maybe they'll reverse that. Or, or you know, honestly, because that, that thing's not until October. And so who the hell knows where case numbers will be at in October? Maybe it'll be worse in a way that they're like, yeah, you got to wear a mask. Or maybe they'll be better in a way we're like, see, we were right to not wear a mask. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know anything about anything anymore. Everything's fucking crazy. People stopped fucking reporting the numbers. And so now you just have to go like, well, numbers are probably worse than the reported numbers. What does that mean? I'm not sure. Ain't good. Uh, Activision is similarly reporting a, an engagement decline. And uh, according to Video Games Chronicle, this is the first time in three, almost three years that Activision's monthly active users have dropped below 100 million uh, for the quarter, again, ending, ending in June. Uh, they totaled 94 million and that they have been above 100 million since Q4 of 2019, which was the release of Call of Duty Mobile 
And then during the first quarter of 2021, they peaked at 150 million. So that is a, I mean, if you think about it as like they got up to 150 million in the first quarter of 2021 and now they're under 100, that's fucking crazy. That's a huge drop. I mean, like, you know, obviously, like, you know, your year over year, we're going to see a lot of year over year comparisons that are going to be unfavorable across the board, right? Because again, we're in a different point in the pandemic. More and more people are outside. Like all those people that were staying home and playing video games or playing more video games uh, are, are not able to do that anymore in some cases, but are also, you know, uh, there's also, Hey, call of duty was sucked this year. So let's see here. Yeah. Here's from the video games Chronicle story. Activision said on Monday that its second quarter revenue and operating income declined year over year, reflecting lower engagement for the call of duty franchise, but grew versus the first quarter. So it's better than the previous three months, but still lower overall. And they're, they're kind of pinning some of that on call of duty. I assume that the uh, the growth between over the first quarter is the release of Diablo Immortal. But think about that. Like even their free to play Diablo game that they keep talking about. Oh, it's going great. We love it. It's monetization. It's awesome. We're big fans. Uh, even that couldn't couldn't stave off this type of drop in their engagement numbers. And um. You know, again, that's that seems fine to me. That seems like healthy-ish in a weird way. That's that that to me, in in some ways, again, some some of these factors are going to be unfavorable comps from the previous year when we were in a different part of the pandemic and and all that sort of stuff. Like I was saying with Sony, but also there's a part of this that you look at and go like, yes, Call of Duty is down. It's a down year for Call of Duty. Warzone obviously is still a big deal. Like no, you know, these games are not being abandoned. It's not like you're going to hit find game and and not hit anyone. They are still pulling in 94 million active users across all their games in a month. So, their big games are still very big games. But it does show that like hey, maybe there's a little bit of um you know that the public is maybe speaking a little bit when it comes to the most recent call of duty release and yeah i don't know we'll see they are of course pinning a lot on the upcoming release of call of duty modern warfare 2 which is out in october and that they are going to revamp warzone later this year as well um and they have a mobile game coming with Warzone. So, you know, they're, they're, they have stuff kind of around the corner in the Call of Duty department anyway that could course correct this stuff. And, I, you know, I, I am hopeful, you know, that I, I hope that Modern Warfare game is good. Um, because the last one of those that Infinity Ward did was also good. And then the two games between this game and that game, not so good. Not so good. So, like, that combined with the news... Or the, uh, I guess it's not official confirmed news, but the talk that they are not going to release a full game in 2023, but they're not ruling out uh, the idea of 
some kind of premium content release in 2023, whether that's like a, Hey, we're, we're selling in a story expansion or we're selling, you know, something they can sell in 2023 that has the words call of duty written on it. Uh, even if it's not a full fledged new game, because apparently Treyarch is going to make yet another fucking black ops game for 2024. I don't understand, you know, I, I guess stick with what works, but like that last black, uh, black ops was kind of a bummer. Um, whatever. It's still better than Vanguard. So what are you going to do? Um, those early black ops games. Fantastic. Tremendous video games. But last couple, not so much. So some additional kind of news that's kind of come out of some of these earning reports and and stuff like that. Um, We're starting to see some hand wringing around the prices of the consoles. And uh, hardware manufacturers are starting to get asked questions by, you know, investors and stuff in some of these calls where they're saying like, hey, uh, are you thinking about increasing the price of the PlayStation 5? You know, you'll remember that it was just a week ago here, or what, a week ago or two weeks ago, that um, Facebook is going to raise the price of the Oculus Quest 2. Uh, that's, I've just got every brand wrong, I, that, that, but that's, I don't know, whatever. That'll always be the Oculus Quest to me. Uh, and so they are raising the price on that because they want to be able to continue to invest. They have a whole spiel about why that's okay. Um, but yeah, you know, whether it's inflation, uh, some of this is being pinned on uh, the yen being exceptionally weak right now. So some of these questions are specific to the Japanese market. Um, the PlayStation five stuff, they, they, they said, Hey, we, you know, here's the actual quote here as uh, transcribed by video games, Chronicle, about a potential price increase for the PlayStation 5, at this point in time, there is nothing specific I can share with you about prices. That is from Executive Deputy President and Chief Financial Officer Hiroki Totoki. And, uh, you know, there's some quotes from analysts also in this story, basically saying, you know, this uh, was a Forrester analyst, Glenn O'Donnell, to CNBC, saying that he expects chip prices to rise about 10 to 15% in the year ahead. For a handful of reasons, here's the quote from him. Chip makers face their own increasing supply issues that are exacerbated by the Ukraine war and demand remains high while supply remains constrained. Energy prices are also on a tear, including electricity. Chip making requires an enormous amount of electric power. So between the the energy crisis that is happening around the Ukraine war and then you've got inflation and then you've got the yen being where it's at. It's a lot of stuff adding up to a point where you've got analysts making calls like this and then people being asked questions like this in earnings calls, which I cannot think of another time in history where we have even entertained the idea where the concept has come up of, hey, are we going to rate? Are we going to see the console prices go up? Like that seems. Um. That seems bad. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, it's a really wild 
scenario. And so uh, Nintendo has said that they have no plans to raise price in Japan. They they went on the record and said that they, they have no plans. And Microsoft issued a, uh, no comment on the, on the subject. Uh, for what it's worth, Apple has raised prices in Japan to kind of cover the you know, exchange rate differences and all that sort of stuff. So iPhone prices and stuff like that are going to go up in Japan uh, to, to kind of right size or kind of, kind of be in line with uh, pre- prices worldwide. Um, and I think it's, I, I am like you where I look at that and go, that's preposterous. The very idea that you would talk about raising prices on these devices uh, but we are in weirdly unprecedented. Well, not eh. there's been inflation before. We've been in recessions before. Unprecedented is perhaps not the word, but there's just been one thing after another that has made these consoles a little bit harder to build. That have made these consoles a little bit more expensive to build. Uh, the world is is hitting a weird patch with inflation again. It's been a while. It's been a while since we talked about inflation on the news every night. I guess it's been a long time since we watched since we watched the news every night. Um, get a Ronald Reagan hologram out there. Let him fucking talk about it. Um, and also, uh, there are a lot of companies reporting really strong profits and all this other stuff. So it's you know yeah. It's not like everyone's fucking going broke out here, but it's a, it's a weird, it's a, it's very, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're heading, we're heading into some weird times here and I I don't know exactly how this is going to happen or or how it's going to go. I think everyone was expecting, you know, let's talk about maybe like a year ago or nine months or, you know, even six months. It felt like the stories were like, hey, you know, yeah, we, we hired up a ton over the pandemic. Like, you know, interest rates were really low. So we were able to do this and this and this. And, you know, all these consolidations and, and mergers and stuff started getting announced. And, you know, companies spending money while it's cheap to spend money. And, uh, yeah, and again, hiring up and doing all this different stuff. And now we're heading into this where it's like, oh, okay, um, I hope you have jobs for all those people to do because like things are getting a little tight and, but yeah, so a lot of, of literally just, I mean, game studios expanded and hired on a lot more people and, and, and do all that other stuff. And, and so you had studios getting bigger and it sounded really exciting and interesting. You're like, okay, cool. Great. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of, you know, that, that'll be hard for, for uh, companies to grow that fast and, and figure out ways to kind of uh, stay productive with a bigger team. And, you know, you hear this, the, the rock star story about them hiring more producers and all that other stuff to, you know, figure out where the, you know, how to grow, but then running into new bottlenecks around that sort of stuff. Like it's not, you can't just throw money at the, at the person problem, hire a bunch of people and then go like, well, we hired 20% more people and now we're going to make this game 20% faster. Like it just, you know, teams don't scale that way. And so, so it was going to be a lot of companies trying to figure out how to take advantage of the new headcount and, and, and what they're going to do with these people. And are they are like, now we're a two team studio instead of a one team studio or whatever. You had a lot of different studios doing things different ways from the sounds of it. Anyway, I did not canvas the entire industry, but it sure sounds like that that is the direction things were headed in. 
And now we've got a lot of stories like this and uh, it's a very different tone than that. So we'll see how all this goes. Um, but yeah, stories about like, Hey, electricity is expensive and making chips is expensive. And what are we going to do? I mean, speaking of black ops, it was black ops too, right? That was about all the, um, rare earth minerals and that how they're like, there were, there was like one of their background stories. It wasn't really something that like surfaced in game, but a lot of the stuff they talked about when when black ops 2 was coming out which was the near future one uh was they they literally we went we went to Treyarch we we went to the studio and they gave everybody a book about the, uh, the some analyst some military analyst wrote it was about the future of warfare and it was a fascinating book um peter or something i can't remember his name um and so one of the things that didn't really surface in black ops to the campaign, but was something that they were thinking about in the background was a lot of this stuff about like, well, you know, one of the battlegrounds that we're going to be fighting for, or one, one of the, the things we'll be fighting for. It's like, yeah, you hear about oil and all this other stuff, but these rare earth minerals and who can mine them and who controls the land that they're on. Like, that's going to be something that we're going to fight for because everyone needs their phones. And, uh, at the time, I remember reading it and going like, well, that's chilling and terrifying. And then there was some I, some military personnel. There was some video going around of 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 someone talking about it. Yeah, and this, this place controls a lot of rare earth minerals. So there's that too. And it's like, okay. Huh. All right. Yeah, that, uh, that's weirdly chilling. I don't know. Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to, yes, we're going to need all that lithium. We're going to need all that Tiberium. So, yeah, I don't know. We're, yes, uh, P.W. Singer, Wired for War. That was, that was the book that, uh, that was the book that Treyarch gave to everybody who went to their event. And, uh, you know, it'd probably be a lot less interesting now than when it was written, or at least when I read it. Um, because I think some of the things that I remember reading in that have come to pass. And I'm sure some of it hasn't as well. That's that's all how all that stuff goes. But it was basically like the idea about like, hey, the future of warfare as technology improves and, and goes all these weird places. What's it really going to be like? And and um, it's fucked up. Turns out, turns out it's fucked up. Not quite as on the nose, yes, as the the meme talk from MGS two, I suppose, but. But yeah, um, Mortal Kombat, the future of Mortal Kombat. That is something that, uh, we here on the program have speculated about for sure. And I think it's, it's, you know, it's been such a long time since we have heard from NetherRealm about what they are going to be doing next that I think everyone is under the assumption that we are overdue to hear from whatever their next game is going to be. And so IGN ran a story um, 
about the Evo Lounge. Evo, the fighting game tournament, is going to be happening this weekend. And I... They, they will be playing Street Fighter V, Guilty Gear Strive, Mortal Kombat 11, Tekken 7, King of Fighters 15, Melty Blood Type Lumina, Dragon Ball Fighters, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, and Skullgirls Second Encore. That's a good that's a good list of games. That's a that's a solid that's a solid list of main event games. I'm sure that there'll be side tournaments for other stuff, right? I mean, I'm sure Warner's going to show up. Anyway, oh, Warner is the subject of this story, in fact. Um Sony posted a, something to their PlayStation blog talking about something called the Evo Lounge Live Show. And this is a live stream they're going to be running on August 5th and 6th that will include, uh, you know, they're going to recap some of the fights, it sounds like. They're going to have some player interviews, some guests, all that other stuff. And um, let's see here. There is a a sentence here. Or there's, a, there's a paragraph here about the event. It says, The Evo Lounge will feature top-shelf curated show coverage, bracket updates, interviews with players, and exciting content with reveals from developers and publishers. This is what this is what Sony published. Not not the we'll get to the IGN story after this. Uh, reveals from developers and publishers such as Arc Systems Works, Warner Brothers Games, Capcom, SNK, and Bandai Namco Entertainment, as well as the latest from the scene with pro players and casters. And so this sounds like an all-encompassing show that they will talk to players about how the matches are going and how the tournament is going. But this is also where they're going to focus the the trailers, right? They're yeah, they're they're going to have this two day event. They're going to be like, hey, make, we're going to make sure that the reveals and whatever announcements and all that other stuff will be there, which is cool. You will notice Warner Brothers Games is on that list. Warner Brothers, the publishers of Mortal Kombat, and so, um, oh, this actually. So IGN has rewritten their story since I read it last night uh, due to due to what happened. But they basically said, oh, yeah, okay, so there's going to be, uh, yeah, we're going to see more from Mortal Kombat. Like, basically, like, said, hey, Mortal Kombat's going to be there, basically. Uh, which led to Ed Boon, creator of Mortal Kombat, co-creator of Mortal Kombat. Um... Oh, and IGN has deleted the tweet that he referred to because the tweet was just like, all these games are going to be at Evo and get announced at Evo. And then Ed was just like, except Mortal Kombat. Sorry. And then he followed up and said, it's time for Street Fighter and other great fighting games to be in the sun. Let's enjoy that. Um, so then IGN went ahead and deleted their tweet and rewrote their story and all this other stuff uh, to not say that Mortal Kombat was going to be there. I've reached a point with Ed Boon and Ed Boon's public statements where you can't, you just can't take anything that dude says at face value. Uh, presumably they're working on the next Mortal Kombat. I feel like that has been relatively like, well, I, you know, uh, the story was always that like, because Warner was thinking of selling its studios off, it didn't make sense for them to do injustice three 
because they might not have the rights to the DC characters by the time that those games were coming out. So, hey, maybe this means they're working on a totally different game. Maybe he's like, ah, yeah, sorry, Mortal Kombat's not going to be there because we've got something, you know, or whatever. I think it's more likely um, that the Warner Brothers presence will mean an announcement of new characters for multiverses. Um, it, that that just makes sense that that they would. Uh, the, the, this game, Multiverses, just came out. It's still technically in some kind of open beta. A ton of characters have leaked for it. This would be a really prime place for them to announce that Scorpion and Sub-Zero were coming to the game. Um, because it's a fighting game tournament where Mortal Kombat is being played and all of that sort of stuff. So, um, that's that always felt like the likely scenario to me. It, it was more of a case of like, well, will they talk Multiverses and whatever NetherRealm is doing, or will they give Multiverses its time to shine? Um, and I always was kind of leaning in the direction of like, I bet that they, I bet that they just, I bet Warner just focuses on Multiverses here and, and doesn't and doesn't announce the game unless that game is coming out incredibly soon. Um, NetherRealm is hard to pin down right now because like they are technically out of their window like they would have announced a game by now but also that's what we said last time like Mortal Kombat 11 got announced pretty late or a lot later than they had typically been announcing games and I remember hearing that they really liked that cadence of like announcing the game and having it be out not that long after and so I wonder if that means that we will see the next NetherRealm game debut at something like the Game Awards near the end of the year and then come out in April. They are an April kind of studio. Um, but the years are all off. And I don't know. It's, it's weird. Every, everything is weird right now, right? Everything has been weird for years in terms of how long games take, all that other stuff. But yeah, maybe they're, you know, they, they, they really did seem to enjoy having a much shorter promotional cycle for the last Mortal Kombat. Um, and it worked for them. That game, as I understand it, sold just fucking fine. So, you know, they they probably can can get away with doing that. As weird as it is to have that studio be silent for as long as it has been. Um, I guess ultimate, you know, the, the ultimate DLC is not that old in the grand scheme of things. But anyway, point being, unless this is yet another rope-a-dope from the world's most deceptive forget mortal combat deception this is ed boon deception no i i i suspect that he is actually shooting us straight here on this and that we will not necessarily see anything from nether anything new from nether realm uh here at at evo it seems like something that, yeah that we would we'll see this at the game awards and then they'll they'll put it out in april or maybe things are even crazier. I mean, who can say? That that's that's my guess. That's where I would probably put a little bit of money down would be game awards reveal or or you know somewhere in that in that lane somewhere in that ballpark maybe they announce it ahead of that and show the first gameplay at, you know whatever it ends up being but um some kind of focus at the game awards and then they ship sometime in April or somewhere around there. That's that's my guess. But it is just a guess. 
I have not talked to anyone at that studio in a very long time. Years now. I, it's yeah, it's 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 yeah, they, it's been a weird few years not getting out and seeing anybody. Like, you know, there's there's a lot more like pick up the phone, DM people, like all that sort of stuff. That, you know, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of folks I just haven't heard from in a in a very long time. So anyway. My my other money is on them announcing Scorpion and Sub Zero for multiverses uh, at Evo because that's a good fit for that audience, and uh, they should do that. And they should put them out. I don't know. I I'm, I'd be curious to see. Well, I guess Scorpion would play a lot like well, maybe not not exactly, but like you know the Scorpion Spear stuff would probably work pretty similarly to Wonder Woman's Lasso or something. Um, and you know, there, there, there are moves in that game that freeze. I want to say I could be wrong, but sub zero sub zero could be interesting in there, but those were both part of the leaks. So presumably they're both coming anyway, even if they don't get announced here, that's right. Superman has freeze breath, Superman in wonder versus let's talk about it. Superman, the guy who can fucking fly. Getting punched in the face by Shaggy and then falling off the edge to his death. <laughs> what a dumb fucking video game. Uh, but, an en- but an enjoyable one. Let's see here. Why don't we get into some emails? I don't... I don't hmm. let's, uh, let's open this folder and double click on a random MP3. And uh, this will be the the emails theme for this week. Okay. Is this gonna? Where's where's the drop? making me mad I'm getting angry at how this track doesn't have other stuff on it I'm scroll down this list on click on something else I want another shot at it that was that was this is fine In a world where a podcast must be contacted, there lies emails. Podcast at guard.bike is the email address. Contact us today. Reach out and touch the Jeff Gerstman show with these emails. Okay. Uh, I've got some emails here. Send in your emails if you want to podcast at guard.bike. And I will read them. And so on and so forth. This first one is uh, Kevin from KC writes in to ask about Haunted Castle, the video game, 
I have a question for you about an arcade game that has bugged me for nearly 30 years. Why the hell was Haunted Castle released as Haunted Castle in the arcades? It was developed by Konami. It has all the hallmarks of a Castlevania game. Dracula, sub-weapons, similar enemies, a whip, a Belmont-esque hero, and even Bloody Tears when Castlevania and Simon's Quest on the NES were pretty huge hits, 1987. Was it released as Haunted Castle because it was tough as shit and Konami did not want to sully the brand when it was hitting its stride on the NES? Similarly, it's not a great game either, so was that why? Or was this simply a case of the U.S. arcade distributors thinking that a name like Castlevania didn't make any sense and wouldn't draw people in? Um, hmm. So, yeah, the, castle, the early days of Castlevania are kind of strange. And to, I think, I'm only speculating here. I don't know the actual answer to this question. But Haunted Castle was originally released... It says here, December 26th, 1987. So late 87. Um, the original Castlevania for NES came out in September of 86. May of 1987 in North America. And now, simultaneously to the development of Castlevania for the NES, you have an MSX game that was released in Europe and it was called Vampire Killer. And this was released in sometime in 1987. We don't have a firmer date than that, but it came out in October 86 in Japan and this game, along with the NES game, the Famicom game, if you will, all originally came out under the name Akuma Joe Dracula, the, the Japanese name for Castlevania. Haunted Castle is kind of the only one that, I guess, in Japan was also called Haunted Castle. It also apparently came out in Japan after it came out in the U.S. and Europe. So it just seems like all of these games were potentially developed simultaneously before there was a localization strategy in place. And so if you think about it from the Japanese perspective, you had the MSX game and the NES game, both called Akuma Joe Dracula, which is like, what is it? Like Dracula's, Dracula's satanic castle, what devil castle, whatever the, whatever the actual translation is there. Um, and then you've got haunted castle, which came out later. It is clearly a Castlevania game, but it is a brand new game. It is it is not really given the full branding or anything, but enough of the elements are there that this is clearly a, you know, this is Simon Belmont in this game, you know? Um, so my guess is that this was a case of like, they wanted to have a different name for arcades. It had already come out in North America under the name Haunted Castle, and maybe they even named it or had an idea of what the name was going to be before the name Castlevania had been settled on because otherwise vampire killer would not have come out as vampire killer in Europe. It would have come out as Castlevania. And so all of that says to me that in the early days of this franchise, there was some uncertainty about what direction to go in with localization or you had different parts of the company 
making different choices, whether it was the European arm or the North American arm coming up with, with different names. You know, eventually Castlevania would be very quickly cemented as the name of that franchise outside of the, uh, outside of Japan. And they would go in the, in that direction. This is not unheard of. Like Konami has a handful of these lineage things with names that are really weird. I mean, you have, so there's obviously the, there's the case of Contra where Contra was often known as Probotector in, I don't know if it was all of Europe or if it was just Germany. Germany had special, special rules about, um, putting murder up into video games. And so Probotector ended up having to be like, Oh, they're robots. We made them all robots in Europe. And then you've got the Gradius stuff, which is insane about, um, and I, I don't have the, I don't have the Gradius stuff straight. I can't, I can't talk to you about the lineage of which Gradius game is, which, and which one is life force. You've got nemesis and you've got Vulcan Venture, and you've got Gradius 2, Yab- Yabo, go for no... Y- the early days of the Gradius shooter shooters, and how those games got named and released and re-released, and then, oh, we re-released this game back into Japan based on the localization, but made some additional changes to add more voice. Like, if you go dig through... The Gradius games in MAME, like you'll go look at that franchise. It is a mess. I don't know. And I'm sure there's pages I'm sure I could read on the internet that would make all that in, incredibly clear. I know someone has done the work out there. It's a popular enough franchise. Of course they have. But Jesus, I, it, none of it. I, I, don't, I don't have any of that knowledge. To me, Gradius came out on the NES and then Life Force came out and that was the sequel to Gradius. Because I never, I did not encounter those games in arcades until years, years, years later. So the the greatest that franchise was an NES franchise, as far as I was concerned, and and so that lineage there, in in terms of how they came out on the the Nintendo and then the Super Nintendo, really informed how I thought about that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, the like games containing Vic, the Vic Viper. It's, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a, a very strange a very strange lineage for sure, and I'm I'm just guessing that like the, the considering that all of those Castlevania games were happening in a similar time frame, it probably just means that they had not decided that this was going to be we're this this is called Castlevania. When this game comes out of Japan, it is called Castlevania, and that's it. They clearly had not made those decisions yet, and so kind of like all bets are off for for localization. <clears throat> Phil writes in and asks, when did cursing become cool? I mean, I was like probably eight or nine. Anyway, uh, everything from my wife watching a mac and cheese recipe where the chef says, salt the water like the fucking ocean to the rock exclaiming, let's fucking go. After shilling his piss in a can, Zoa, I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Sajak hasn't already begun responding. Sorry, Jim, no fucking vowels. I have nothing against cursing. I love it. Actually, some of the smartest and funniest people I know curse a mile a minute. 
But what's with everyone casually dropping F-bombs? They're taking the edge off of it. Am I gatekeeping? Or worse, am I cursing's equivalent of an annoying Metallica fan? Oh, you weren't a fan before Kill 'em All? Didn't wear the, don't wear the shirt then. Go fuck yourself, Phil. Um Yeah, the world is dirty now. So I, I the, you there's I'm sure that there have probably been papers written on the continuing coarseness of language in this country and the acceptability of said coarseness um, and how I think a lot of people have just dropped the facade. You know what I mean? Like words that used to seem like, oh, these are completely inappropriate. Motherfucker was always my favorite. Still is. It's just fun. It's it's long. It's just like, blah. But there's, there is, there are moments in time in pop culture that you can point at that I think like we moved the needle on, on cursing and, um, what was it? What's he, it was, uh, NYPD blue, right? They said shit on national television broadcast television, not cable TV. Cable TV was always like a handshake agreement or like a wink and a nod. Like we're not going to swear, but they were not governed by the FCC the same way broadcast television was. So there was technically nothing stopping them from cursing on cable TV. If they had done a lot of it, I think the government would have eventually stepped in like, yeah, they, they put Dennis. Yeah. Yes. Dennis Franz's ass was on television, national goddamn fucking broadcast TV. You put your rabbit ears up thinking like, ah, yeah, time to watch some TV, time to have some good old-fashioned family fun. You turn it on, man's ass on the screen, and he's talking about shit and poop. That ain't cool. Suck it, Dennis Franz. You ruined society. It's your fault. Um... So yeah, you know, you you have a, a moment like that that probably kind of shifted things a little bit. Um it's not that people weren't swearing before, it's just that they weren't swearing on television and they weren't swearing in in those sorts of situations. And so now that more and more content is being consumed on the internet where there are no rules, I think you have people that are like letting that seep into more of their shit. And I think that's totally appropriate. I think that like the whole idea of like curse words, generally speaking, is is silly. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, like the, those words are still coarse in a way that like, you know, I try not to swear around my kids. You know, it just seems like the right thing to do from, you know, there, there's still a society is still society, you know? The idea of like, ah, I don't necessarily want my kids going places and cursing a bunch. And so I don't curse around my kids so that they don't pick it up. At least I try. I try. I try not to. Um, and I think that's fine. And I think that makes sense. And I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't see the problem with that. I, I know some people are like, no, people need to be able to curse everywhere. This is a problem, you know, and eh. 
I don't really have a problem with, you know, some words seeming a little bit off limit um, to children because that gives them their power and that's what makes them fun. If me saying the word motherfucker when I was 10 or whatever, however old I was, was just another word, what fun would that be? It was fun to hang out with other kids and curse. And my dad eventually, um, you know, his, his rule on that stuff was basically, uh, you know, you can curse around me, but don't curse at me. I'm like, yeah, that always seemed sensible to me. Um, I've always prescribed to the theory of, you know, the, 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 like the commanding officer in the military that when he shows up and says, get your fucking guns, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. We're going to go do target practice or something. But when he walks in and says, get your guns, it's because shit is fucking serious. Uh, that's, that's kind of in some, you know, not that I am telling people to get their guns, but you know, not, not anything I'm doing is that serious, but that is, that has kind of been the, um, that, that has sort of been my, uh, approach to cursing, I suppose, or how, how it has happened for me is that when things are very serious, you don't have time to curse. But yeah, I don't know. It's, um. You know, I, I, I am a wrestling viewer. I watch the wrestling. And uh, WWE has done this a couple of times. And I, I get the impression that they, maybe they'll do a little bit more of it in the future. With the way things seem to be headed. But AEW does this too much. Where AEW is allowed to say the word shit. And so they do. And it sticks out like a sore thumb. And it always, almost always, feels forced when it, when they use it, um, because they are using it too much, and it no longer has the edge that it did the first time they said it in wrestling. You're like, whoa, that guy just said shit on TV, and now it's like every week there, you know, there's two two or three shits in there. I don't know. It's uh, so I I don't know. It's it's kind of. I look at I look at all that sort of stuff uh, as like you know, you know the the slow movement of society in the direction of cursing being something that just kind of happens uh, and and is a natural and normal thing. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense, and so I think yeah, there should be like there should be one one last shit on that program. They should let Chuck Taylor say shit and then never say it again. That's that's my that's my thought. The last yeah the last shit uh, they sold out a building in Chicago. You heard of the first dance? Well, we got the last shit. Jeff from Connecticut writes in, and he says, "I'm curious." If you could give advice or notes to each of the big platforms, what would it be? For the sake of argument, we'll say Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. If you're feeling frisky, add in Valve, Epic, and Oculus. 
Similarly, what moves do you think Apple, Amazon, and Google would need to make to become the major competitors that Microsoft predicts they'll be? Uh, you know, it, it's advice and notes are really hard because I think that, you know, there's, there's the stuff that, um, there, there are the things that I would say for my benefit. And there's the stuff that, you know, you would think of as like, Hey, here's a thing that might help them across the board. But you know, this is, this is whatever. What do I think Nintendo should do? Um, I think they're doing fine. I I think I would, I think that I would love to see Nintendo ship more games that are up my alley because it feels like a lot of the first party stuff is stuff that I'm, I'm not, you know, like I, what Xeno, Xeno uh, Chronicles came out and I'm just like, all right, yeah. that's cool. Live Alive is cool. That's a neat game. I'm I'm glad they put that out from like a scholarly perspective or, or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm happy that Bayonetta three has a date and I hope that that game is good. And there's a part of me that's worried that it won't be, but, um, yeah, as far as Nintendo, I mean, it would, you know, there's obviously like the long list of weird old IP that I would love to see them, uh, bring back. But from a business perspective, I don't actually think that those would be good moves to make, you know? I think it would be really funny if Nintendo greenlit a new, you know, urban champion. That'd be very stupid. I would love to see it. But no, they shouldn't actually do that. The one, I'll I'll actually say, you know what? They should make a new Rhythm Heaven I think that's something that could be extremely appealing to a wide variety of people and would be a great game to have on the switch where you've got, uh, you know, the, the latency of the, the screen is a known quantity. So you can build the game around that and not have to worry about calibrating on TVs and all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, Microsoft, I would say you should really ship some video games. At this point, it almost doesn't matter what they are. Just try to put more out. <laughs> and they would say, what the fuck do you think we're doing? Yeah. Oh, really? Really? You think we should have more games out? Yeah, no shit. We think that too. I'm sure behind the scenes, they're like, man, fuck. We had a lot of things go sideways over here. We thought it would be different. We got some. We got some. Um... But yeah, you know, that that's that you know, I, I think Microsoft is is generally doing a really good job with Game Pass and you know, they're they're getting more games on that platform than they used to. You know, like they're they're more more Japanese games are coming. They're still not there yet. There's all there's always more work to be done on that front, I'm sure. Um but yeah, it, it, it's it's like if we're really just talking about this stuff, it is just straight up first party stuff. I think my advice for Sony would be like take the entire PS5 front end and throw it the fuck away and replace it with something better. You know, the Accolade stuff is a is a good 
reminder that there's just like there's some stuff around the edges of that that doesn't make a ton of sense i would i would not i would not go back to the xmb i would try to come up with something new that is fast and effective i would tell them to figure out what's wrong with the store and why some games don't surface there properly i'm sure developers fucking love that um and yeah i would probably focus on on that stuff um and of course, make a new siphon filter. You know, I think we can all agree. I don't actually think that. I, I, I don't actually think they should make a new siphon filter. For the same reason, I don't think that they should really make a new X, uh, a, a new SOCOM XCOM. The people that are out there saying, God damn it, why won't they make a new SOCOM? I feel like they are never, ever going to get the game that they want out of Sony. Someone could go out there and someone people have tried. I don't know if those any of those projects ever get off the ground, but you know, they're trying to do Kickstarters and all this other stuff where we're gonna make a new SOCOM. But like and I I love again, I loved SOCOM. One and two are awesome fucking games. SOCOM three, I was a little less into, but was still fine. But shooters have moved on. That's like asking for a new golden eye. Like what? No. What? Even when Perfect Dark Zero came out, like that style of first person shooter had been surpassed. You didn't need to make it like that. They made it like that because there was no better blueprint out there for how to control things. They made it that way because Goldeneye had one analog stick to work with. And so, yeah, remake Goldeneye, sure, and you can modernize the controls in a way that'll be like, all right, yeah, that's a game people like and they should do it, but you would not. When they make that new Perfect Dark, if it is still somehow in that weird uh, console shooter space, uh, that'll, that will be embarrassing might be the word i don't know that'll be insane um that'll be absolutely insane if they were to do that i don't think they'll do that um but yeah obviously eventually yeah they'll put golden they should put golden eye back out because people like it and honestly that 360 version of golden eye that leaked when you play golden eye with proper dual joystick controls like a modern goddamn video game it is better is it great? Hmm. I don't know. Aspects of that game simply do not hold up well in this day and age, no matter what. We'll see what they ended up doing uh, with whatever version that they are, they are cooking up. Um, if it's just a prettier version of that or, or something else, or, I, I don't know. But um, Let's do the other ones here. Valve. I think that Valve needs to do better on a lot of the community and social aspects of steam i think there's still just a lot of really grotesque stuff underneath the surface in that community that they just don't seem to want to build the tools to do better moderation you know whatever it ends up being like it's just you know the there's there's that um i think that's kind of a perpetual thing i think that they should be better at enforcing the curator system in a way that prevents people from like trying to spam it with fake 
review like there's there's I I found I found one review, one piece of text that had been posted to like six different curate curator groups. Like they were just trying to create as many different groups as possible to try I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the goal is there if they're trying to like get free games through the curator system or or what that stuff is. I think there's a lot of curator groups that are really shitty and and, and scammy. Um, I think the Steam Deck is a great step in the right direction for for them overall. I would love to see further development on that front, whether it's on the software side or 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 what have you. Um, and I would probably get serious about games again. I would probably get serious about like, okay, or, 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 you know, transparency on top of that to a certain extent would help as well because, you know, like they said, like, we hear you on the Team Fortress stuff and they've had a couple of patches. I would just come out and say like, hey, you know, yeah, we're working on this. Here's when we plan to do it and, and get serious about solving that pro- problem if only to just kind of gain some more credibility with the community going forward. Um... I would ship some video games. I don't, I don't know. Like what, you know, yeah. What should valve do? They should make half-life three. I actually don't, I actually don't think they should make half-life three. Um, I think they should maybe consider a new portal. Um, and you know, to try to do, Try to do something else. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I like, what do you, what do you want out of valve? What do you actually really want out of valve? You know, half-life Alex came out. They've done their big VR thing. Should they do another big VR thing? I don't think so. Maybe. Um, should they, yeah, should, should they, I mean, their, their best money would probably be spent working on more Counter-Strike stuff, right? I mean, that's the game with the highest player count on all of Steam. But, you know, what do you know? What does is, what is Counter-Strike, what does that community actually need done to that game? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Presumably, there are things that people would love to see in that game still, but maybe it's just like, ah, we're done. You know, Ricochet 2, I think, you know, that's that's a big one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, yes, the the... I think the Half-Life stuff, I, I just, like, who cares? Like, the, that script leaked out, and someone is actually working on turning that script into a game, and there's a page for it on Steam now. It's just, I think it's just called Project 3. Like, for the episode 3. Yeah, Project 3, with 3 spelled out. Um, that is a fan-made sequel to Half-Life 2 Episode 2, inspired by Mark Laidlaw's Epistle 3 script. So that's fine. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, yes. Valve should make a hentai game. There's so much porn on steam. Why not? Why not go that route? Get it done. Source filmmaker is already the preeminent porno game tool on the planet. Why not embrace that? No, I, I don't know. I, it's, um, 
I think Valve is like I think Steam generally speaking is in a pretty good place. I would love to see enhancements on the Steam Deck side, software stuff, which I talked about. I wrote a Steam Deck review that's up on the Patreon. Um, if you want to read that, you can sign up for the Patreon over at uh patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstman. There's a bunch of stuff over there. Um and yeah, I I don't I don't I don't I don't honestly know what Valve should do. They were right to a walk away from Artifact, considering how Artifact was going. I don't know how Dota Underlords is doing for them. It feels like I don't. Is there still? That's a question I have. Is there still like a um, auto chess community out there playing those games? I have no idea. I know everyone talked about it so much when that stuff was first happening, whether it was Team Fight Tactics or or underlords or just straight up auto chess and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I presume one of those games at least is still, is still popping off in some way, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. And then Dota, you know, whatever, whatever Dota is these days. I don't, I don't actually have any idea. Uh, yeah. Valve is, uh, I think, you know, they shipped a thing alongside the Steam Deck. They shipped that uh, Aperture desk job thing, which is the same as the lab when they put out the VR stuff in terms of here's a product where here we wrote some jokes and it's also a tutorial about how to use this new device. Like they're really good at doing that stuff. But I don't know. I, you know, I, I when I think about Valve's existing franchises and I think about the likely reasons why they haven't really um, pursued sequels to those games. Uh, I get it. I don't know. I, I, and, but also I think I get it in a, in a additional way of like, I, I don't really feel that they need to make any more half-life at this point. Half-life Alex was a new Half-Life product and told a new Half-Life story and also served as their big check out what we can do in VR. And I think that they can just move on. I don't I don't know. I, I think that between the leaks and all the other stuff and you know like I just they should they should find something that they are passionate about and do that. Because I think that is what Valve has traditionally been seemed to be the best at right is when they are feeling it is to make something like that and i think dragging developers back into the world of half-life especially not that long after they just finally got a half-life product out after years of not doing that um I would keep trying to come up with new stuff. I think that, you know, they've had some misses obviously with artifact and, and sounds like underlords is maybe not awesome, uh, player count wise, but, um, yeah, if, if there's, if there is in fact a team there that is super passionate about the future of half-life and they really are like, we have to tell the story. We've got this half-life world story that we need told and it can only be told in the half-life universe. And we need to make this game. And they've got like a burning passion for the future of half-life. They should absolutely fucking do it. But if they're like, oh man, Half-Life is this big monolithic thing that we can never, we know we're not going to do right. Like the, 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 what Half-Life 3 is in the minds of fans is so ridiculous 
compared to what we think we can make, like, just fuck it. Like, we're not even going to do it um, because we can't possibly get there. Like, it's just like I was talking about with Street Fighter and, and all that other stuff. And, and in terms of just like, yeah, you know, if they're not feeling it, they shouldn't do it because the worst thing they could do is say, hey, we're making Half-Life 3. And then they put it out and it's like, oh, yeah, I guess you made another one of those. Congrats. I always thought that, you know, yeah, I always figured that that, that those series, those series converged and you ended up with Gordon Freeman with the portal gun, you know, like that always seemed like where that was all headed. It was just like, okay, portal takes place in the same universe and here, this and that, the Borealis, whatever the fuck. Um, and they just go that way with it. That always made sense to me, but, um, but also Portal is very funny and Portal is, a, is very much a puzzle game. So I think if you made Portal 3 and then it was also meant to be the backdoor follow-up to Half-Life, it wouldn't it wouldn't do it. You'd have much better of a chance, I think, of shoehorning Portal mechanics into Half-Life than you would shoehorning a Half-Life storyline into Portal. You know? But, yeah, I don't know. And what should Oculus do? What should Meta do? Uh, get split up by the government? I, I don't know. What Fall apart? They should shut down Instagram? They should shut down everything? I don't know. Like the story about how they view the social experience on Facebook as a legacy product and that they're really pushing on that TikTok style experience without understanding anything about why. I, so I like TikTok. Because when I open up TikTok, it shows me, you know, it has a pretty good hit to miss ratio of just like shit that I look at and go like, yeah, that's some shit I didn't mind seeing. And it's fast enough that who cares? Whereas the Instagram experience is a fucking shit show. And I don't come to Instagram to see that shit in the first place. So I just don't come to Instagram anymore. And the same can be said for Facebook. I recently reinstalled Facebook out of curiosity because there were just relatives that I just don't hear from anymore because they only post shit to Facebook. And then I open that up and it's like, oh, this is a, they have turned this into some kind of fucking algorithmic hellscape as well. Haven't they? Um, and yeah, so I don't know, like the, 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 Facebook is making shitty products now. Like they used to at least be good at making the garbage they were good at making. Right. I mean, those things served some kind of purpose for some sort of people, but now that you watch them kind of nakedly chasing after TikTok, it's really insane. It's really fucking crazy. Like you just look at it and go like, wow, this is a company that at least used to seem like that they were pursuing their own ideas and had their own uh, concepts about where stuff needed to go. And you might not agree with it, but like at least it, you look at it and go like, oh, I guess that makes money and, and that makes sense. And now they, they're like fucking up that part of it too. And they just seem like this desperate, like, what can we, what's relevant, what can we, uh, what, what's, where's some relevance we can grab? And so they're just like fucking up all of their core products along the way. And it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating just to see them fucking fall apart. And so, you know, they're, the thing is, if that thing really truly falls apart, like if, if Facebook, the core of Facebook fucks up 
and they're like, oh, we have really screwed this business up. Like they're going to take VR down with it, <laughs> you know, um, or at least from a, like a major part of consumer grade VR falls apart with that. And maybe they sell it off. Maybe they find someone else that can pick it up. But like, that's not a good, it's not good that the VR stuff and, and the, the reality lab stuff is hitched to these like failing social networks. Um, but who knows? A lot of, a lot of different ways that could go, obviously. I don't know, but, uh, that company seems to be, they seem to, yeah, I, I don't know. As, yeah. Obviously the, yeah, they, they are pursuing this metaverse stuff in ways that did not make sense. They're throwing so much money at it and then their business fell apart and they're like, Oh, whoops. Apple made one change and it cost us $10 billion. Fuck. Guess that goes to show don't build your business on someone else's platform because they can always change it and ruin it. Hmm. Yeah. Fuck. Jake writes in from Chester in the UK. And he says, was there ever a time when the Nintendo 60, when the Nintendo 64 controller was viewed as good? Were we supposed to use it with three hands? I never owned an N64, but was able to play one when I was young enough for it to not make a difference to me. Um, I don't think the N64 controller is a good controller, but, uh, it was good for the games Nintendo built around it. That was the first and best case for the use of that controller was Mario 64. And when those games were coming out, you're like, oh yeah, cool. That makes a ton of sense for this specific game and these other specific games that were built around, you know, like literally purpose built for this stuff. But when third parties had to put their games on the N64 and they were also putting them on PlayStation or Saturn, you know, whatever else. It was a shitty situation a lot of the time. And, uh, it's a bad, it's a bad controller overall. I don't think it feels great. I don't think the analog stick ever felt good. I think the, like moving your hand from the middle prong or the left prong or whatever, you know, but it did have six buttons on the face, but it never got a street fighter game. Did it? Yeah. Mortal Kombat trilogy came out there and some other stuff but like yeah there's not yeah not not a great not a great controller but it was perfect for the games that were built for it and that's you know I think that is Nintendo did that from then on you know they were like oh yeah we're gonna build a controller that makes sense for our games everyone else can fucking deal with it I guess and they did. Um, Brandon, Brandon from Alabama out here uh, asking for more <laughs> mergers. Uh, not to ever be on the side of monopolization, but studio acquiring seems to be the current trend. Atari is a cool name. Embracer is a shit name. 
Embracer should buy Atari and change their name to Atari. See, I always thought that this plan was going to lead to the revitalization of the THQ name. Because when Nordic Games bought THQ, I thought like, oh, well, they're going to go through a phase. And then they ended up rebranding to THQ Nordic not long after that. And I was like, oh, give it another 18 months. And they'll just be like, you know what? We're THQ, the toy headquarters. We're bringing it back. THQ is a shitty name, but it's a, it is a name that had recognition across multiple generations. Like it's, it makes them sound older and prestigious in a way that Nordic games did not. And then Embracer does not. The Embracer is not a, is probably not a name you're going to see that much on the front of boxes, right? Because Embracer is just the umbrella parent company for all this other stuff, whether it's Saber or Gearbox or, you know, like you'll see those names, but the Embracer name probably won't show up that much on, on some of this stuff. But yeah, I always felt that the, the whole thing felt like a, a, a scheme to kind of rebrand as THQ the same way Infogram rebranded as Atari at one point. Which felt like, oh, here's a way to gain some credibility off of an old name that is not us, but people won't know that. It'll be fine, you know? Um, Christian writes in and says, as a longtime fan of the PSP and especially PlayStation Vita, I always think about the possibility of a new Sony handheld. It doesn't seem all that likely that we'll see another, but I started thinking about their work with PlayStation VR and a device like the MetaQuest. Do you think it would make sense for Sony to build a new PSP that is a standalone VR headset? No. Mm. I really like the idea of a standalone headset. I think it's um, it's cool. But I think what I actually want is a wireless headset because I want the full power of VR. I want the unbridled power of a personal computer or I guess a PlayStation 5, you know, um, to fuel some of these visuals and frame rates and all that, all that other stuff. And um, the quest, the standalone quest stuff is neat. It's cool that you can do it. There are some games that run absolutely fine there, but you kind of don't, I don't know. I, 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 every time I hook up a quest to some, every time I, you know, turn on a quest, it's usually because I intend to play something that's on steam or, or something like that. The stuff that's in the Oculus store built native built for the quest. Like it's, it's fine, but you know, like if you want to do VR chat, you don't want to do the, the quest version of VR chat. It has limitations, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I'm usually looking to just wirelessly hook something up and, and do all that. And that stuff will continue to improve. Hopefully the wireless experience, the, you know, the single wire is acceptable if that's what we need to do to reach some of these higher resolutions and all that sort of stuff. But, um, It would be cool if the PlayStation VR 2 had guts in it and it could run some stuff. You know? Like, that'd be cool. 
if it could do both. I think that's that's the that's the thing you would probably want, right? Is like, okay, here's you know, it, it's got some power in it, so you can wirelessly play some stuff, and there's some games that we're going to build specifically for this wireless experience. But it's, it's I don't uh, I don't think that they need to do that. I think that they're all in on you know the the connected console experience, and it doesn't really seem like something that they would get that much out of. You know, so I like I don't th- I don't think a situation where, you know, the, the best case scenario would be like, oh, we put out a standalone headset and it plays some games, but also it helps us sell PlayStation fives because people buy that and then they go like, you know what, I want more, and then they go buy a PS five to run even more and more powerful VR games or something like that, right? So, but that seems like a weird scenario. It seems like that this scenario that I'm inventing in my head on the fly seems like a weird one. So I don't, I don't know that that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think Sony needs it. I don't think that Microsoft needs it. Like everyone keeps saying like, where, you know, is, is now the time for Microsoft to make a portable? Like, no, no, I, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't think that makes a ton of sense. The streaming stuff is their focus. I think Sony now is trying to have something of a streaming focus or, or try to try to focus on it more than they were to the point where they it would be weird for them to, to pursue some kind of standalone handheld device. It, it's just it, it's the sort of thing where then you're because now you're also competing with phones and everything else that people keep in their pockets and all that sort of stuff, you know, the, the, the switch is already out there kind of doing meeting those needs to a certain extent. Obviously the steam deck is out there. It's not really a competitor in that way currently, but yeah, you know, you saw that they did that deal to put out a backbone controller that looks like a PlayStation controller. That is Sony's handheld strategy, you know, deals like that. Let's see here. Um, Wade asking, uh, have you had any issues with cloud saves on the Steam Deck? I recently got my Steam Deck and have only used it to play Stardew Valley and have been switching perfect, frequent, perfect switching frequently between the PC and the deck. Tunic, however, has caused me multiple issues. I had to manually recover a save from the Steam Cloud storage. Just now, managed to lose two and a half hours of progress. I went to play on the deck, and it said uploading, which immediately concerned me since I had just played on PC. Um, cloud save stuff has been a little funky, but usually it shows that uh, I that resolved a couple of weeks ago. I think that there was just a I'm I am um, opted into the beta on the Steam desktop client and on the Steam Deck. And that solved that problem. Uh, when I was running the beta client on desktop, but not the beta client on the Steam Deck, I found myself having cloud save issues where it would just say cloud sync error and it wouldn't upload and and that it was weird. Uh, I didn't, did not lose any progress, but as soon as I upgraded, as soon as I uh, updated the Steam Deck and, and set it to install the beta stuff, 
as soon as it rebooted after that, everything just synced right up. So I don't know if there was some change that they are testing on those beta branches or whatever that are, you know, incompatible with the, you know, the release build or, or whatever, but um, that might be something I would consider trying to solve that. Um... Let's see here. Let's let's go out with. Oh, I don't know. Let's go. All right. E from Kentucky writes in and says, watching the last video to promote Ric Flair. This was sent in before the weekend of wrestling shows. Watching the last video to promote Ric Flair's last match an event title that still sounds like a threat. I was surprised at how much I was drawn in by it. I didn't watch much TNA back then, but I know enough of the history with Flair, Jay Lethal, and Jeff and Karen Jarrett. The real reason I'm sending this, though, is that I've become a Jeff Jarrett fan, which is crazy, right? Is there anyone in wrestling that won you over as a fan after years and years of indifference? I think I realized over the weekend that I, I, don't, I don't like Jeff Jarrett. And not from a like, a, oh, you wrestling bad guy sort of way. It was just like, ugh, I don't. His music is dumb. He just keeps, sh- he, you know, if there was a while there that he was just showing up to events seemingly drunk. <laughs> um, And the only thing I would say I appreciate about Jeff Jarrett is that he's led to a, a real sharp increase in the use of the word stroke in wrestling, which has led to some hilarious clips, but um, not just in terms of his, he had a, I believe his finishing maneuver is referred to as the stroke, but um, in terms of like, who's got a lot of stroke backstage and a lot of that weird backstage talk. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, yeah. J- Jared has cleaned up his act. I know he, he, he definitely, uh, had a, I, I believe it was a stint in rehab and all that other stuff, but he, yes, Jared has, has been through the ringer for sure. Um, and good on him for, for cleaning up, but like the use of the word, yeah, the, the use of the term stroke in terms of a, uh, political power, you've got a lot of stroke is just, it's an abysmal term that just like, it's, it's like just insidery enough, but not insidery enough that it was just like, hey, what the fuck are you trying to accomplish here? That whole stint he had is like the chosen one and how like how insidery that whole thing felt was just embarrassing. Uh, that was a long time ago, but I, I just, I think I just was like, I don't, I don't know that I, um, I just, I just don't, I don't like much about Jeff Jarrett's presentation. He can wrestle. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's had a, a heck of a career, like all that stuff, you know, respect, do whatever, whatever. But, um, and I don't, I, I, and I don't care for Karen Jarrett as well while we're on the subject, whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah, he was, uh, but at the same time, Jeff Jarrett was in, um, I was going to say trash humpers, but that's uh, spring breakers. And uh, good on him for that. Spring Breakers is a heck of a movie. <laughs> and his role in it is very silly. Um, So he's he's got that going for him. And 
you know, good on him for his, uh, his film career. How about that? Is there anyone in wrestling that won me over as a fan after years and years of indifference? I would probably say, uh, Hmm. Randy Orton, maybe. Um, who else? Brock Lesnar, actually, I would say. I have never liked Brock Lesnar until... Uh, this, this last little run here that he's had, these last few months here with his silly ass cowboy thing and the thing with the tractor this last weekend was a perfect little send off for him and it's time for him to go away and that's good. Uh, but yes, as, as someone who was just like, fuck this guy, he's going to leave and like, they just have him come in and win and then he's going to disappear in three months and or not be back for, you know, this like part-timer kind of like, I was just like, just wasn't, it did not make for interesting television the way that he was being used. And so this last little chunk here, and having him just get buried under a pile of rubble at the end. I think it's a great way to send that guy off. And hopefully he is gone for a good long time. Because they need to take a break from that whole thing. Um, but yeah. Uh, th- that stuff was entertaining. Uh, anyway. That's going to do it. For us here at the program. For us here at the brand bro. Um, this Bubba Kush, uh, it's going to do it, wrap it up. That's the podcast. Uh, the, also in this, in this podcast feed, uh, you can find the, the first kind of preview episode of game boys to men which is the new podcast that I'm going to be doing with Glenn Rubenstein. Glenn um, worked in the video game business in the early 90s, and I worked with him through to about 1997 or so. Um, And then he eventually ended up at Game Center, and then we worked together again for another week or two before he got laid off there. And anyway... Glenn and I saw a bunch of crazy stuff. At some point we started a rap group and at some point we started a public access show and, and we have had a long weird road together through a lot of the early days of, um, my time in this business. And we have been uncovering that little by little. And that first episode is a really good setup for kind of what's to come. So check that out. It's on, it is on the Patreon RSS feed. It is on the YouTube channel. It is on the, RSS feed for the Jeff Gerstman show. So it's out there in a variety of ways. Future episodes will appear on patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstman. We'll have another one of those episodes coming up here pretty soon focused on Nintendo and um, kind of what Nintendo was doing in the early nineties as Sega was becoming more of a threat to them from the like, you know, from Sega getting this cool, from the attitude era of video games. How about that? Uh, Sega bringing in the attitude era of video games and then Nintendo deciding that they were going to play it loud right up until they didn't have to anymore and then went right back to being Nintendo. Um, 
Yeah, with some some weird times for sure. So that Nintendo episode is going to cover a, a wide variety of stuff. Like nin, uh, Nintendo sued Galoob, who was making the Game Genie. Glenn was involved in that trial. We'll cover that stuff. The variety of stuff around n- Nintendo that we'll talk about first, and then in future episodes we'll get into additional topics and you know the multimedia era of the CDI and the CDTV and all this other weird stuff that was happening in the nineties. Uh, there's a lot of highly questionable shit happening in the video game industry then. And so, yes, we will be recording that first episode in the near future. It, it's going to have a, an, an, a, the cadence of it will be a little bit off because I think different episodes will require a different amount of research before we go into them. So we will lock down a, a more firm kind of cadence for that stuff once we get one or two under our belt, but the first one will not take too long to be coming your way. Uh, thanks to Marco for digging through some archives and finding a ton of really crazy stuff uh, in uh, newspapers and, and, and all of that. So we've, we've got some that'll help with some dates and some other stuff like that. I, that is the thing I am worst at. You will discover over the course of the podcast game boys to men is I am really bad with dates and order of events. Uh, the the individual events I will remember like oh yeah we met with this person we talked about this but like what year did that happen fucking I don't know like if I think about the conversation long enough it's like oh well it had to be before the Sega CD was out because of the stuff we talked about in that in that conversation or whatever like yeah there was we there was all kinds of weird we'll talk about Bike Boy. We'll talk, yeah there'll be a lot of stuff yeah there's, there's a lot of stuff that we will get into in Game Boys to Men so check that out. Uh, more details on that. If that first episode is, is up on, uh, or everywhere, everywhere that this podcast is. And so, so do good, do go check out that first episode and it's a lot of fun. Um, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. I'll be back to stream this week. Uh, I got to figure out. Yeah, I've got a dentist thing coming up. So, I, you know, I, the, the, in all likelihood, I will be here with you on Wednesday and Friday doing some streaming. Uh, maybe we'll get that Trackmania server figured out. And uh, and yeah, the volume on that podcast is, is yes, yes, we will get that part. Get that part going as well. So thanks everybody for watching. If you're here with us live, or if you're watching on YouTube, or if you're downloading the audio, most most of you are downloading, the numbers would say that most of you are downloading the audio version of the podcast. To which I say, thank you very much for being here with us here at the program. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, thanks everybody on Twitch for all your subscriptions and bits and all this other stuff during the podcast. I'm not necessarily going to call that stuff out because then when people are listening in the car and they're like, Who's Tuxedo Jack? They will say. And I don't want to have to explain who Tuxedo Jack is. We all know who Tuxedo Jack is. But anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Be back next week. Hopefully we can get a guest in the building. Well, not in the building. A guest on the internet. That was the plan for this week, but things went sideways. And, uh, and so we have to push that off a little bit unfortunately but uh but yeah i need there's a much longer conversation i need to have about multiverses and i'm hoping to have that conversation with a guest in the very near future so everyone take care of yourselves 
We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of this podcast. And of course, the streams will be the streams. I forgot to put uh, I forgot to put Bang Blue Raz on a list. Let's see if we can do it real quickly here before before the podcast music ends. Uh, let's see here. Our list so far at the t- for going from the bottom up, the worst energy drink I have had on this list is G Fuel Tetris Blast. Up from that is Rockstar Exdurance Marshmallow, which also sucks. Bang Sourheads was bad. Zoa Fruit Punch. Above that is Monster Energy Ultra Peachy Keen. Above that is G Fuel Sonic the Hedgehog Peach Rings, which was okay. C4 Smart Energy Black Cherry is above that. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty solid drink. Rockstar Recovery Orange is above that. I like I like Rockstar Recovery Orange just fine. Uh, above that is Rockstar Recovery Lemonade. The problem with the recoveries, not enough caffeine. Great tasting beverages. They're missing a little something. Above that, Ghost Sour Patch Kids Red Berry, which uh, I would love to have more of, but I don't currently. I, I should probably order a case of that. Um, uh, and then at the top of the list is Rockstar Zero Fruit Punch, which uh, is a good balance. It's above average in every category. Where does this? Okay, what what have I? What is this? This is Bang Blue Raz with two T's because it's not an ECW anymore. Um, I'm sorry, two T's because it is, I, well, whatever. Blue Raz is significantly better than Bang Sourhead, so it's above that. I'm going to say it's better than Zoa Fruit Punch. Is it better than Monster Energy Ultra Peachy Keen? Yeah, because it's got more energy in it, and it tastes inoffensive blue raz is not this the flavor is not very strong but it does not taste like raw chemicals the same way that tetris blast did and that weak flavor is better than the weak flavor of sour heads which i which i found tasted like a cleaning solution um i'm gonna say that bang blue raz Fits onto our ranking lists here of energy drinks. It is better than Monster Energy Ultra Peachy Keen, but not as good as G Fuel Sonic the Hedgehog Peach Rings. That's a very narrow. That could that could be a toss up. I I could see a world where Bang was higher than the Sonic Peach Rings, to be honest. But but I feel good about the list being right here. All right, we got that piece of business out of the way. So congratulations to. Bang Blue Raz for being somewhere in the middle of the list. I guess I got to get some more drinks. I'm out of I'm out of new drinks to try, so I'm gonna have to do some shopping. All right. Well, uh, well now I got to leave for real. So I guess I mean, really, the only thing to do here is to play the music again. Um. Thanks everybody for hanging out and listening to the show wherever you are in the world it's uh it's been a great time here over the past week 
and we're going to keep on, we are going to keep on trucking. Sorry, not sorry. The show will continue on next Tuesday with another edition of this podcast. And, you know, we'll stream some stuff. Like I said, uh, I am, uh, I'm, I'm itching to play more Trackmania, and I want to get that server up and running. I have not heard back uh, from the people running that. Oh, well, now the, now the music's over. Now I really got to go. Show's over, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>